Why do salmon swim upstream despite the threat of the bear? Because laying down the foundation for the next generation is worth the risk. This is the Upstream Podcast hosted by me, Salmon Like the Fish, where guests share their pearls of wisdom that could have only been realized through the journey against the current of life. Your presence here and now is no mistake. Keep your ears and your heart open. There is something for you to gain. All right. Thank you for joining us. This is the Upstream Podcast on uh, our final episode. Uh, this episode is going to be called Winning Isn't Everything, Honoring Is. And we have uh, my good friend here, Matt Panna. Matt Panna, how are you today? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a final episode. Final episode, wow, no yeah. Pressure. No pressure. I am done, done, done. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, it's, I mean, you know, Matt has his own podcast as well, the, like, uh, the Likewise Podcast. Mm-hmm. So you know how much it's funny you hear people doing podcasts and, oh, that's cool that they're recording. But there's a lot of work that goes into this, not even just in the recording, but like the editing. Mm-hmm. You know, the mental space, like, oh, what am I going to talk about? Who's my next guest going to be in house? It's going to be relevant, you know? Especially when you're type A like us, I feel like you want it to be perfect. You want to, like, write the right text and copy to post on social. And we're talking about that earlier, like, just really the strategy behind it. And you, when you want to tell stories, you don't want to also have a strategy either. Correct. Like, but you have to have both. Yeah, you have both to have some flow. Like, remember yeah. back in the day in school, we had to do outlines, you know, before writing <laughs> yeah, a paper, yeah. how annoying that was? Yeah, so now I'm an adult. I don't have to do an outline, but I probably should. Have to. <laughs> I probably should. Or else it's just like two dudes talking and two like our four friends, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the first thing I want to do is, mm. uh, you know, because I work in mental health and actually I was very inspired by my friends at the Kicks, Cleans and Coffee podcast. They would do a pulse. So a pulse is where we kind of get a check in on each other, see how things are going and, you know, for better, for worse, you know. So if things aren't really good, you know, your car broke down, you're broke, you know, let me know. We could talk about that for a little bit or if things are really good or what you're working on. Like, what are you excited about? Like, so what's going on with you in terms of? You know, how are you feeling? First of all, I like that pulse because I think we as guys especially don't ever check in on the pulse of each other. It's always kind of like, and I remember like working in the city all the time where it's like, how are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Great. We walk next to each other in the hallway or whatever and you kind of leave. So I think pulse wise, I think for me, I'm in a place where it's twofold. It's uh, I'm really recognizing what surrender is and I'm also recognizing what discernment is and what do I, how do I need that in my life? So I did this thing called Exodus 90. Uh, it's like, Oh, you did that. I it's did like that. 90 day with a, with, with a bunch of guys too, or essentially, was it? well, it was my spiritual director, father Zach, who uh, kind of got me on it. So basically it's like Catholic Lent, but on steroids. Yeah. So you give up a good amount of disciplines, whether it's like you don't snack in between meals, uh, you don't drink, you work out more intensely than you normally do. Uh, you don't do video games. You, you cut out a lot of distractions to really, give you the capacity and space to really focus on God, focus on yourself. So I finished that um, after Lent and it was really freeing to like not be in control for a change. Cause I think for, I, we're talking about strategy and podcasts and marketing and everything. And like, I'm always like, Oh, what's my plan? What's my strategy? What am I posting? What projects am I working on? Yeah. But to kind of not have those distractions, it's kind of, it was really liberating. And I was very, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, I want to keep my little distractions close to the chest because they give me some sort of semblance of whatever, an escape or whatever. Yeah. But like to not have those and be out of control was really freeing. Yeah. So like really learning, trying to reteach and learn surrender. And I was talking to some friends about this uh, a couple days ago. Um, and I was like, you know what? I've never really surrendered to God mm. ever. Like I, I'll pray for other people all the time. I'll have an intentions for everyone. But for me, I'm like, oh, I have my own plan. I'm fine. Or maybe I don't think God could help me. So really as a man, letting go of control and surrendering is something that I'm really diving into now, like post-2020 into this next normal or whatever. And then secondly, it's discernment. Like really, like how do I discern what's my vocation? What's next for me? Well, and for it, people who are listening who might not know what vacation is, like what is, 
Can you describe? I mean, I know, but can you kind of? Oh, it's yeah, I'm, I'm putting a lot of Catholic speaking. No, here. that's okay. So, that's yeah. okay. So it's funny because you know I had my reversion experience ages ago, and I was kind of aloof to a lot of these Catholic or Christian terms, right? So the re- reversion, reversion, yeah, <laughs> reversion is where you were uh, once practicing Catholicism, and then. You weren't? Yeah, I'm, I'm moving ahead here. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> so, so first of all, yeah, so you, you mentioned vocations. So okay, vocations is really what your mission is in life, right? And uh, reversion is uh, as opposed to or, or in supplement to conversion is like is you, you come back to a faith or you come back to something is you revert in, in a positive way. Yeah. I think sometimes re, the, the word revert could kind of have a negative connotation. But for me, um, I was, we grew up in a Catholic community, both you and I very fruitful, gave us a lot of foundation. And now looking back in my 20s, fell off for it a bit um, through certain chapters of my life. And then around my mid to late 20s, kind of was looking for that sense of community that we had growing up. And I was mm-hmm. like, where do I find this again? And it's long story short, I found that in, the, in I guess, the Catholic Church in, in a Christian context, right? Um, so in terms of discernment within all that in mind, like just trying to figure out what's next for me and not white knuckling it and being like, oh, what do I want out of life? But actually discerning outside of myself how do i give of myself and mm. also going to the right people to give me the right advice as opposed to like just figuring out things on my own and doing yeah. a diy yeah right? so that's kind of where that's my poll i know it's a very long no balls. no i i love it listen yeah. there's no time limit here i mean we're, we don't have sponsors <laughs> that say you have to be only 30 yeah, minutes long right. mm. no but i love that um and uh yeah i mean especially being able to take that during lent lent is a very special time yes. you know and i think especially in the context of last year i mean you remember we had that discussion yeah i remember that right i mean um and it's interesting too that people might think, you know, let's just say, let's just say, not use the word Catholicism. I mean, you take that away, people think, oh, why would you take away things from yourself? You should just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Mm, so then yeah. Catholicism kind of gets a bad name in that sense, you know. But if you're really living it, then you see the actual fruit. Yes. And, and you know, I always I love to talk about CrossFit, right? So mm-hmm. you'll see you mention CrossFit to someone, oh, I'm not, you know, just they do this, they do that, they're so. Yeah. Uh, they're on steroids or they're just mm. crazy. They're going to kill themselves. You know, so people will have this idea of what CrossFit is. So people have an idea of what Catholicism is unless they're actually walking it, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, walking it is different than talking about yeah, it. Yeah, you, you have know? no yeah. idea what, I mean, the spiritual fruits that you gain. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but yep. it's occurring to me now based on what you said. I mean, mm. I, I thought about Exodus 90 yeah. and I'm like, oh, no sugar in my coffee. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, that, that was the big turnoff. Mm. I was like, what yeah. about Stevie? You know, um, so then also I couldn't find any brothers who, who wanted to do it. Yep. So uh, what was interesting was, uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Ray Pingoy, yeah. he mentioned to me about doing the, uh, uh, what do you call this? The devotion to St. Joseph. Yes. You know, yeah. and so me as a father having, you know, uh, three children, three girls and a wife, you know, I'm like, well, I want to be the best father I can be. And, and it's hard, man. It's really mm-hmm. hard because, you know, and I was going to mention in my pulse that, uh, right now I'm kind of on this thing of balance, like um, balance with everything. I mean, balance with um, my family time versus my time with people outside of my family, mm. you know, uh, working on myself, but also giving to my family. It's a very hard balance because I'm very selfish, like internally. It's just, and it, that's the thing. I tell my wife this all the time. She, it's not like a surprise, you know. She um, knows by now. Yeah, she knows by years. now. And, and it's something that actually didn't, I didn't know about myself until much later because wow. like my whole thing is me, 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 you mm. know. My friends might not see it, but like the people closest to us, they always, yeah, you know, they see. They can recognize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really working on that and like not trying to overindulge, whether it's in good things or bad things. Like, for example, like uh, fitness, I'll go really hard and then I'll stop, you know, <laughs> and then I have to start all over again. So I'm just tired of kind of starting all over again, uh, trying to do things more in moderation, but not in the sense of like, I'm going to do good and bad things, but like 
really all of the good things, trying to do them in moderation and um, and just try to be, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Michael, is it Michael Kelly? Matthew Kelly. Matthew Kelly, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. So when mm -hmm. he says, uh, you know, our goal should be a saint, and I always thought that was like a lofty, a lofty, pious goal. Mm -hmm. But what he says is uh, being a saint it means to be the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I was like, wow. It's that, so simple. Yeah, like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I want to be. I can't be this martyr. You know, I mean, God forbid if I was ever called to that and I was in this situation. But like, realistically, what does that mean for me? So I got to be a good father. I got to be a good husband. I got to be, you know, my best at work, like giving of myself to people, wow. you know, pouring out like a libation, as they would say, you know? Um, yeah, so I mean, things are good. Actually, today, I purposely wanted to make sure my vibe was right. So I did a nice long steady run before nice. seeing you so I, yeah that's good I, it's good that you put I, I mentioned this earlier too where it's like you put a lot of care and attention to the little things because we talked about you when you listen to podcasts especially podcasts that deal, dive into mental health and authentic masculinity and all these kind of themes that we talk about right a lot of it's just like where's the buzzwords how could it be really showy and what could, what what clip can i use to post on social media right right right, right but right. it seems like you put a lot of care into making the conversation as not like prepared too much but there's there's some tlc there there's tender love and care when you want it when you you sent me we're just talking about just what we want to discuss that this is you know a cap off to really a season or a chapter of your life in this kind of new endeavor man so i, I appreciate that 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 goes a long way oh, i appreciate that i mean and you know what it's like to being a drummer um every drummer i can't i mean i haven't talked to another drummer because mm. there's just not that many of us around that's why we're here man but i am sure as when i watch a drummer i'm like ooh. That's too much, too much flair. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. or, or the speed picked up too much or it's too simple. Like brighten it up a little bit more, mm. you know? So I think I'm, I think that's where that whole attention to detail uh, kind of started with me because I was very much like a uh, type C person, you know, uh, back in the day. Now, I think, I think you mentioned on the we podcast we did that you were like a type B that was trying to be a type A. Yeah, so, right? exactly. Yeah, deep yeah, down. I totally, My core. Yeah. yeah, I totally feel mm. that. All right, well, cool. All right, so now... Um, the the episode right we're talking about winning is everything honoring is so i want to kind of discuss this um in the context of our society which is very much um uh, me very self-driven mm. uh, i gotta achieve i gotta amass this amount of money um i need this much crypto or, <laughs> right, yeah, that is. or, or uh you know uh, or just like materialism you know yeah. it, it's funny because now we're seeing a little bit of this uh minimalism uh, that's that's kind of uh, spreading, but then even the people that are doing the minimalism that are on like Netflix and YouTube, there's I mean, an agenda. Or yeah, there's an agenda, yeah, or they're really not is. living the lifestyle. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of this uh, thing like I gotta win, you know. And you see all these influencers too talking about you gotta grind, you gotta hustle, wake up at three a.m. You know, yeah. But you know, there's not enough attention giving to honoring someone else. Like mm. we wanna we wanna have ourselves. Well, I'll say me. I'll say me because that's uh, my selfish drive in me. It's like, yeah. I want honor. I want someone to honor me. Like, you know, I, I try really hard. You know, there's this one meme that uh, it was like one of those signs on a highway, you know, like uh, where they're doing road work, right? And uh, so they can type text. <laughs> but I think someone had put on it like, F, man, I'm trying. Someone <laughs> someone tell me I'm doing well. Do me a solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. I can't remember mm. what it was, but I'm like, that's I relate to that. Yeah. You know, but... Um, you know, and I'm going to talk about honoring in the history of our connection. So nice. we talked about it a little bit on our podcast, but just for people that are uh, listening now, um, the seven or six people listening now, besides mm -hmm. my mom, my brother, my sister, and, <laughs> and my, my wife mom, and children. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we grew up in a, in a youth group, right? And most people mm -hmm. don't know what a youth group is when that's said, but I mean, it's interesting. It's a Catholic youth group, but 
you know, when I was younger, I grew up in a, a, a very Jewish town, so they had their own youth groups too. And I went to their retreats. Yeah. Oh, wow, you did. I, <laughs> I did. I did. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and it was fun, you know, and it was kind of like you would go to like the, like our retreats that we would do on a weekend, mm-hmm. but, you know, but essentially we would learn about our faith and, uh, you know, me being half Filipino, you being Filipino, yep. you, I think we both kind of had this idea. It is very, very much cultural as well. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I think it's probably the main religion in the Philippines, right? Yeah. And Islam primary and mm-hmm. some Protestant uh, religions as well. But that's how we got to know each other, but on the periphery. <laughs> All right. So I was a drummer, right? Mm-hmm. For, uh, for the music ministry. If we don't know what music ministry is, it's just you're the cool people in the youth group who play music. <laughs> <laughs> you rock out yeah, yeah. cool on stage. Yeah. And you play, uh, yeah. Lights preferably. Yeah. <laughs> machines maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had a great experience, you know, with the band of brothers that I had playing and sisters too. And you were on the, uh, you know, saved by the bell, right. <laughs> had like Zach and, uh, Zach. Next and, generation. And, and, yeah. And you were like yeah, the next generation saved right. by the really? bell with, okay. Yeah, Cause I mean, I love that analogy. You, you would see kind of like this, uh, like this, age group you know and mm. and there wasn't really too much mixing between age groups even though you were in the same kind of youth group but i remember we played an event it was for uh it was a charitable purpose i don't know it was for the school right for a school that was trying to make ends meet and uh that was the first time i ever saw you play drums and i'm like wow you played on my kit actually the kit, i did the, i remember that, that kit yeah. right there that's yes. sitting in my basement it's, it's still, still the there. same kit man it's the same you kit maintained it this yeah, entire time it's yeah. just different heads that's all <laughs> <clears throat> but um but yeah i was like man this kid and i didn't know any drummers in the community at the time besides myself we had this one guy named jensen who played you know years before me ray our friend played yeah, a little bit mm-hmm. but essentially you were you were like the up and coming like all right good stuff like and i i felt a lot of pressure come i was like ah oh, because i want the drumming I, someone needs to take this um, on in the future and be consistent and, and yeah. play to the song and play it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so I saw you and you were so excited throwing your sticks. I'm like, that guy's a rock star, you know. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, and I think we had seen each other at another event um, when you had played. You were playing with Jayla Gaspi, I guess, yeah, at, the time. at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, and and from the first time I saw you to the second time, like your maturity level was so much different. You know, I don't even know how much time passed. Maybe a year or two. Wow. But Thank you, you for recognizing. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I noticed like. Um, and even the way you the way you were drumming was uh, very different. It was very uh, appropriate, controlled. It was tasteful, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I suck. <laughs> I am a terrible drummer because you know I peaked very early. <laughs> um, what do you learn? You learn from like that. Really, thank you so much for that, those affirmations. I, I just learned via osmosis because I was such a young kid at the time. I started playing when I was. We met. This is my side of the my perspective of the story. So uh, I remember I was like maybe 12 or 13, middle school this shy, awkward kid. And my brother was like, hey, I'm going to a praise and worship fest in Jersey City. I'm like, what's a praise and... Oh, there's like music or whatever. I'm like, I don't know if I want to see people. <laughs> and my brother's like, get your get your ass in the car. We're going. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay. So I get in the car, we go. And I remember vividly, it was you, it was Tom, Steph, the De Leon twins. And you were playing, I can only imagine, old school Christian jam. And I remember you were on stage at some gym in Jersey City. And I was like, wow, you could play like, you could rock out and still be spiritual and prayerful and reverent. And I was like, this is like, whatever this is, I want to do that. Whatever this feeling I'm getting from them performing. And I've never heard, I would never, I wasn't into Christian music at the time. I was into whatever I was in the early 2000s, like Lincoln Park. Yo, Lincoln Park you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I saw you guys and it was authentic. It was raw, but it was also very engaging. And I was like, wow, whatever this is, I want to do it. And fast forward to bands and bands later and playing with different people the reason why I, I think I got to some degree of control 
was I was via osmosis, like I mentioned. So I played with so many people, and they would tell me, like Jay, especially, God bless him, was very um, authentic and really direct with what he wanted on the drums. He's like, oh no, don't do that. Oh, do this. Oh, play there. Oh, stop there. Like he was very good. And at the time, he was I think he was probably 25, 26, and I was in my early twenties. And I didn't know any better. I wanted to rock out like I heard Blink-182 and Linkin uh, Park and all yeah. these bands. And he, he taught me a lot of control. He taught me like, okay, there is tastefulness in drums. Okay, in the chorus, kind of play tight. Oh, and then and, and then the verses kind of bring it back. And he, he taught me dynamics, level, uh, working with a bassist, which is very important as a drummer. Yeah. So like that's where I think I got a lot of my training from early on was playing with different people. I played at one point, played with like four different singer-songwriters in college. All one was folk. Jay was more R and B. Danny was more like an '80s synth pop kind of vibe. John was very alternative rock, and I had I had to sink or swim. And these guys were in their like mid to late twenties, early thirties, and I was like twenty years old, and I had to figure it out. So sometimes when you kind of you're pushed to you know your comfort zones outside of like you know what you're used to, you kind of learn how to kind of adapt to these. And as a drummer, you the best drummers I think learn how to adapt. I think we talked about that earlier. Yeah. For sure, you know, uh, it's funny because I had played for uh, another church, uh, OLM, in uh, in Jersey City as well. Mm, And it it was like my first time playing with them. And then I got like ripped on by the priest later. He was like, you were so loud. But as a drummer, you don't even know. Like, do you remember how many times? Well, I don't know about you, but this is I had this experience many times. Stop playing so loud. Yeah, you're, you know, you're going too fast. Too and it's, noise, and it's like, yeah. as you're doing it, it's like, you don't really know. It's like feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so definitely um, that had to change for myself too. I, I get that. Um, but you're very lucky. I mean, Jay, Jay was, just, I remember listening to his music. I mean, this guy's awesome. I love his writing. Yeah. I haven't heard anything from him in a long time. Is he still doing music? I think he's doing music. I think he, he's getting more into marketing and graphic design and more art now. But one thing, one of the biggest things, he got married a couple of years ago and I was telling him like, listen, like you're the reason in terms of my musicianship, why, why I'm so... Um, mindful of how I play as a drummer because it wasn't about fitting in all the fills and hitting the toms as loud as I can and looking really cool. Yeah, It was about playing to the band and playing for the song and every song required a different level or dynamic on drums because every song was a different story. If I was just making it all about me, and there's a lot of drummers that make it all about them. They for do sure. all the crazy fills. They want to look cool. But at the end of the day, and we, we were talking about this with music, where it's like you notice when a drummer's doing it too much or any musician is doing it too much, you're like, well, calm down, yeah. buddy. I want to yeah. hear the song. I want to yeah. hear the message. So it's just learning how to control yourself in that in that context and that dynamic is very key. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, so pretty much we we were talking about, that was probably the, the last time I can remember seeing you, you know? And then uh, out of the blue, uh, Last year, I get an yeah. email saying, would you like to be on my podcast? I'm like, is this like a marketing thing that's automatically just being sent out it's to a everyone? a pyramid scheme or yeah, something? Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you don't talk to someone for 20 years. You have to assume pyramid scheme, you yeah, know? Like, that. But that's not what I thought. I was just like, this must be an accident, you know? Like, why would he want me on a podcast? Because I've never done one before. And yeah. uh, what do I have to say? What do I know? Why, do, why does he want to talk about me? Like, talk. what does he want to talk to me about? Mm-hmm. You know, so I had no clue. Um. So then I, I think I emailed you or texted you back yeah. and, and then we started scheduling like, oh no, this is for this real. Is happening. All right. Well, someone wants to talk to me. Okay. That's cool. Um, and so when we talked that, uh, at that moment, I was going through, uh, kind of like a little bit of a spiritual awakening mm. that had, it, it was in the context of, uh, the pandemic. Right. And I think we, we had talked about that, but just to kind of rehash that, um, one of my good friends, actually she's my goddaughter. I don't know if you know this. I have a goddaughter who's a fully grown adult. 
Wow. Uh, I'm 38. She's, mm. I think she's 33. I hope she doesn't hate me if I don't remember <laughs> her actual birthday. But uh, she had, uh, her, her dad was Catholic. Her mother, I believe, was Buddhist and had not been in the picture, you know, later on in her mm. life. And so it was always her dad's wish for her to be Catholic. And so she, uh, she went to RCIA on her own volition, I wow. think at 30 her. years old. Yeah. And, uh, and she became a Catholic and she asked me to be her godfather. Yeah, and I was like, that that now that's so much responsibility. It's different from being a godparent to a child, you know, baby, newborn. You don't have to talk to them about anything. You just give them a gift or whatever, and right, then be yeah. done with it. And when they get older, oh yeah, uh, bless your bless your uh, your godfather. What do they call it? A monopole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless that's your godfather. That's your godmother. <laughs> you know, and it's like this person's a stranger to me. But like, mm. you know, Mindy and I, we have like real conversations, like. And she's an adult with adult uh, memories and emotions and yeah. feelings. Wow. Yeah, and then doing adult things like, you mm. know, uh, financial stuff, relationship stuff, mm. you know. And uh, it's it's kind of heavy. Um, but it, I'm, I've, it provides me such accountability, wow. you know. Because yeah. now if I'm talking it, I got to be walking it. Mm. And so it's funny because she had told me something uh, that uh, quarantine in Latin meant 40 days. And I had right. just learned that right before our podcast. I wasn't even going to talk about it, you know? Mm. And so we went into it and uh, I had created like a little video and I posted it. And what was funny was someone that I knew from community was sent it by someone who I don't know, who was not in community. And like, oh, listen to what this guy had to say. You know, so it was Mindy telling me this, mentioning it in this video, talking about it on your podcast. And somehow it got rerouted back to me by... You know, someone who I knew from community, a girl named Jen Bautista, and she's like, you know, my friend sent me this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Salman. Wow. You know, and um, it kind of like was like, wow, this can actually reach people. And it penetrates. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Wow. And then speaking with you, I mean, what you had told me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I want, I'm hesitant because I'm not trying to toot my own horn, you know, but, but what you had told me last year was that uh, I was an inspiration to you drumming. Yeah. I had no idea I was an inspiration to anybody drumming, you know, (laughs) I was just playing drums, you know, you know, we're talking about honoring. So, I mean, it's not just honoring people, which I'm going to get into, but also honoring, you know, the gift that God had given me, you know, I had a drum set in my house because my brother uh, was trying to learn. I'd make him teach me what he learned after each lesson. And then Mike DeLeon, who we know, he, he picked up on it. He's like, you know what? You should play drums. So like kind of honoring me in that way and supporting me. And because of that, I was able to play drums. And the ripple effect of that was that you, you know, you somehow got, uh, you know, in touch with me to want to tell me about this. And mm. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Because of that podcast and being able to speak like this, I just had this, um, again, because of this awakening and thinking about everything that was going on around the time in 2020, the pandemic, all the yeah. social unrest, you know, like, what can I do? Like, I'm, I'm not a marcher. I'm not someone who's going to, like, you know, fight for something necessarily. It's unless it's in my face not to mm-hmm. say that, you know, I'm not going to do anything about anybody's suffering. But, like, what is my role? What can I do? You know, and what is my what is the gift that I can share? Right. Because you can't do everything for everybody. It's like you have to use your certain gift for a certain time, a certain place. And that's discernment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, uh so, and, and that's tough. I mean, we have so many brothers and sisters who are suffering with so many different things, right? You could fight every cause. I mean, AIDS in Africa, you know, hunger in this country, you know, social unrest in this state or in this city, you know, but where am I called to be? And, and, and uh, in the context of where I'm at with my family, my work, you know, and it was just like, after that podcast, I'm like, you know what? I feel like this is something that could be done, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
I wish I had people to talk to me the way that we had discussed and, and to have these like wisdom nuggets. I wish I had someone to do this for me when I was a teenager, you know, and I, and I started thinking about the, you know, this generation, like who's, who's teaching this, ne this next generation, you know, parents are on their phones, yeah, <laughs> Kid, you know, kids on are on, phones. everyone's yeah, on their phones, everyone, literally. Uh, who's teaching people how to live. I mean, uh, religion is kind of frowned upon now, you know, in, in any sense, uh, you know, by, by culture, you know, it's all about, uh, really just like myself, the culture of self, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, you and I had this great experience of being in a community and learning from like, uh, we call them titos and titas, but they would be, when you're Filipino, everyone's an uncle and auntie, Basically, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. But we had these great talks and learned a lot of things. Uh, and it was really about how to love our, our God and love our neighbor, you know, mm. essentially that's what it breaks down to. So be, I, I wanted to honor you because of that experience, this was birth. If I did not talk to you that day, I would not have had wow. these past 12 episodes. Um, and the fruit of that, the ripple effect, I've had people reach out to me about, you know, this person in my life committed suicide. I've dealt with depression. I've had people tell me like, you know, I've struggled with this, uh, a particular area in my life about, mm. uh, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to, I don't want to out anybody's you know, personal yeah, yeah, things, yeah. but the ripple effect. Yeah. You're saying yeah. Is... Like uh, every episode I got a text or a call or something from somebody. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, if this one hour recording reaches one person at a time, like I'm good with that. Cause I don't, I didn't waste my time and yeah. someone's affected. And then also for me, it kind of served the purpose. Like, to leave something behind. Like I want my kids to be able to, you know, they're too young to grasp up all these concepts now, but when they're older, maybe it's something that they're going to also have as, of their dad, you know, it was really, um, I'm going to take digress for a second. My dad had a, a limousine business, uh, briefly. Oh, same. My dad too. Oh, no way. Yeah, How wow. funny is that? The crazy world. Right? That's so funny. Yeah. He actually named it after my sister, oh. but yeah. Um, and the, the motto of the limousine company was Yara, the Yara limousine, we're not the best, but we're trying. <laughs> no way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And not tongue in cheek, like legit. Yeah, no, no, no. The, like this, honestly, branding. honestly, I'm, I'm really trying my best. I, yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I feel like that's where, I, that's kind of like my, my life. Like I really mm. try and, and I don't really try to project that I try. I just mm. do. And in that podcast, you had said, you know, like, you know, I see that you're doing this and you're really striving and I'm like, wow, people can see this and, and I'm not, like, and I haven't, that. yeah. And I haven't even talked to you, you know, um, prior to that it was just we kind of see each other on the periphery yeah um so yeah i wanted to i wanted to honor you and, and and also tell you like what your honoring had done for me and and for the people that uh this has been able to reach that's well thank you for that first of all it's like you don't think about these things outright like i wasn't like let me call someone and you know and have this big ripple effect and talk about this a, a year after the fact right i think the pandemic for me I was, I kind of got back into podcasting because of it. So I did podcasting ages ago around, I would say 2013, 2014, around like the tail end of my band days as something to do. It was kind of not a coping mechanism, but almost kind of like therapy almost. I was on the road. I had two microphones. I was finishing uh, a tour with uh, one of the first bands I was in. We we're in California. I'm like, you know what? It's the last tour. I'm just going to bring my laptop and two mics and just record friends conversations. And they were in hotels. They were in uh, parties. They were in the back of a bus or a van. They were everywhere just to hear conversations. And I did that as a way for me to like figure out what do I want to do and how do I, you know, like you're saying, like, how do I talk to people and get those wisdom nuggets from other people? And this was like seven years ago. And then with the pandemic hit, like I'm, I'm home, I'm working from home. Everyone's at home. What do I do to kind of make this fruitful and not be stuck in my own head half the time? And I was thinking, you know, initially the podcast was like, let me just interview artists on the road and make it about, you know, bands and, and art and like, you know, touring culture. And I thought that was very, one, it was overdone. And two, it was like, that story's been told 
So I wanted to kind of switch it up and just invite people that impacted my life, man. And I was really going through like the Rolodex in my brain, like who's impacted me musically and who's impacted me creatively. And I always go back to that one, even though with community, I wasn't the most active in community per se, just the fact that it gave me that structure and backbone to come back to the Catholic church and recognize the fruits of some sort of semblance of church. And even if you're not, if you're not a churchy person listening to this, I think just the, having that sense of structure, that moral structure to kind of guide you, not saying that we're holier than thou, we're not exonerating people that do other things, right? It's not that, but like having that sense, that semblance of structure is something that's I've taken into my thirties now in my early thirties. Right. So thank you. One, one, thank you so much for affirming me in that because I wanted a podcast to be something where I could highlight friends of mine that have impacted me. And the fact that it has resonated this far a year after, and you have what, 12 episodes of your podcast that yep. you just kind of, and you're a natural at it, dude. Like, it's great to hear. I listened to the first two episodes and I was like, wow, you had people, whether they're CrossFit, they're pastors or people that have gone through mental struggles. And people don't really dive into a lot of these things. Like a lot of podcast cultures, it's a lot of like tongue in cheek. What's the most like buzzwordy social media clippy kind of thing I could post on social on my story. But no one talks about real authentic stuff and struggles. And when you talk, when you started with the pulse, even I'm like, no one talks about like, how am I really feeling? It's like, oh, what, what am I here to promote? Like, here's my <laughs> right. next project. Well, here's right. the thought process behind yeah. the way I wrote X, Y, Z. Yeah. So they really start off with a pulse and then affirm me in the fact that this has reverberated beyond our conversation last year and that was like kind of the beginning of the pandemic wasn't yeah, it yeah, yeah it was May right at the beginning ish yeah yeah i think at the beginning of the pandemic i'm like oh i got this you know <laughs> right yeah, yeah. All of us, uh, all it, was, of us. it was kind of like new year's oh uh this is my resolution and Here's my, 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 my whole yeah. thing was during the pandemic like i'm not gonna let this stop me yeah well it definitely did stop me uh stopped everybody uh, yeah, yeah it stopped everybody it was it was really rough um and even this podcast you know it was interesting because that it became like um uh something that you know, in the beginning, I talked about trying to have balance in my family. It became mm. a thing like, I need to do this. I need to do this. And it was just like, you know, if this, if, and it was like a sense of urgency, you yeah. know, like what if something that I didn't say or something I didn't put out could have helped someone at some point And now because they didn't hear it, you know, and it was, and I really try to be mindful of like, I don't want to have a God complex either. Like, but I really felt like I was putting something on my heart. When I say God mm -hmm. complex, not that uh, whatever I'm going to say is going to change someone's life because I'm the best. No, it was like, I really felt like God put this on my heart to put something out, you mm -hmm. know, especially during that time, you know, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, John the Baptist voice calling, a uh, voice calling out in the desert. Last year was a mm -hmm. desert, you know, really for a lot of people. I mean, all of us, yeah, we were all isolated all to ourselves, you know? And, um, and yeah, even everyone that I've met, it was like, they were dying to speak. And everyone that I talked to, like, Anytime you want to do this again, let me in. Like I'm, I, I will. I'm, I'm down for whatever. That shows the need in our society that people want to be heard. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, when you say that, it makes me think of why I got to mental health in the first place. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna try not to cry when I say this. So, and I might have actually mentioned this on your on your episode was that. Uh, so when I was in nursing school, I didn't want to be a nurse. I really did not want to be a I nurse. I wanted to live your life. You know, I you were like living my dream, you know, being like a touring gigging musician. And I, oh, I, I wanted that so bad, but my mom, you know, Filipino, you got to be a nurse, you know, yeah. stable. Uh, and, yeah. Stable. Yeah. How are you going to provide for mm. your family? So actually, uh, I wasn't as good as uh, on drums where I knew I can just like support myself with that. So I said, all right, well maybe I'll get into the music industry, uh, go into marketing and music as a minor. So I did that. And, uh, but then I would hear my mom's voice in my head, not actually. So don't call, you know, <laughs> yeah, right don't call the hospital and send me in. But like my mom, my mom's head, uh, my mom on my head would say, uh, 
uh, how are you going to support a family? How are you going to live? You know, how are you going to support your life? You know, you're not going to make any money doing this. I have a, a friend whose daughter graduated summa cum laude from Seton Hall. She's in marketing and she doesn't have a job two years later. So uh, I finally pulled the trigger and went to nursing school and I freaking hated it. Uh, the first semester I hated. And then the second semester is where I had my psych rotation. So we were learning about mental health and and uh, so we had this, uh, we had clinicals. So, you know, when you do yeah. um, nursing, you have clinical, meaning you go to like a pediatric unit, you go to ICU, you go to the ER. Certain function of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, uh, and you're doing those rotations as you're learning about that particular uh, subject. Hmm. And so during that time, I was doing my rotation at the, <clears throat> it used to be called Christ Hospital. Um, now it's something else. And so I was on the psych unit and we would have to ask a patient if we can sit and talk with them for a little bit. And... I guess through that, uh, we had a social worker there. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I wish I could honor him for this. It changed my life. I want to say Neil, but I, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> but he was a dude. He was a social worker. And uh, and he said, hey, I, I see the way you interact with the patients. Like, would you want a job here as a mental health tech? Uh, you can make your own hours. And I'm like, yeah, so. all right. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> and so um, I took the job. And uh one of the first times uh, I, I was there, it was the morning time. So what you'd have to do is you have to get blood pressures and mm. vitals and on all the patients. So as I'm doing this first guy, he says, uh, hey, would you mind if I talk to you for a little bit? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm listening to him and I'm practicing all of like kind of like the communication skills that I'm learning in mental health. Like, um, for example, like reflection. So someone tells me, yeah, oh, my life is so hard. Like, yeah, well, it sounds like you're really suffering, you know, and, and just like echoing back. So and these things help the person to know that they're being heard, you know? And so I, I really can't remember anything about our conversation, but I know it lasted at least 15 minutes, you know? The impact that left you too, it seems like it. Yeah, it, I, I think I tell it at every job interview I've ever, <laughs> I've ever had, like why I got into mental health. So, uh, you know, I had like other 15 patients do vital signs on. And when you're, you know, when you're doing that job, the nurses want you to do that quickly so they can pass In the meds, out, yeah. you know? So I realized all that time had gone by and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get yelled at. It's my first couple of days. So I said, sir, uh, you know what? Uh, I have to go and do the vital sounds on everybody else. Um, but if you want, I can come back. It was, it was actually really nice to hear your story. And, and, and uh, I appreciate you uh, being able to share that with me. And so he says to me, uh, damn it. Ah, thank you for listening to me. No one ever listens to me. And I was like, oh, man. And it, right, I was like, right yeah. There. And, I, and uh, it wasn't as emotional at the time. But I think when I tell the story, just because of what it's done for my life, it's brought me here, you know, that... Uh, I was like, oh my God, I could do this for the rest of my life. That took nothing out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't hard work. It actually felt good to do. So uh, because of that, I went into nursing. Um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blank. But I did want to be like, you know, like what you said, like a, a, your lifestyle, like being a geeking musician. Like, oh, that's so cool. But then I was, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier when we were chatting yeah. that uh, I was so focused on getting married after that. Like mm -hmm. I just, after I finished uh, nursing school, I just, I wanted to have a family. That was like my goal. It was my dream, you know. Uh, it's funny because I was doing an episode with uh, Kicks Queens and uh, uh, and Coffee, and uh, they were talking about this thing of. Um, I'm probably going to talk about it some other time too on, on the if if we continue on in this uh, podcast, yeah. but um, this whole thing of the uh, what is law of attraction, mm. you know, and how yeah, like this is all that I saw in my life, you know, is I just wanted the the wife, the the children, and the home. But some things I couldn't attract. Like, I wanted boys, you know? Mm. <laughs> uh, and I got three girls. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's so much that I wanted, and, I'm, and I feel so grateful to have all that, you know? Uh, but even to this day, I mean, still, like, I'm still 
interested in music. I still want to do that. And you can still have that, you know. It's good that you revisit that stuff too, man. Like you're very aware of where you're where these emotions come from, where these memories come from, where your direction comes from. And the fact that you're able to add this to the podcast very effortlessly and revisit these things. Cause like, even though, and you mentioned, you mentioned this on job interviews, right. But like just to have that so close to your chest, man. Yeah. And to, and have that be a, like a foundational part of not just your podcast, but just what you have set up here, you know, in your home and the way you've had your episodes really have mental health ingrained in the conversations with people that aren't necessarily like, you know, doctors and counselors or whatever, like psychotherapists. These are people that have their own struggles in life. But the fact that you're able to to listen to somebody and revisit that point of just listening to somebody, that's it to you it was nothing. Yeah. It was just like a little thing, like, okay, um, this is part of my job, I'll move on. Yeah. But you could revisit that and really reflect on that and then see where that's brought you. That's something that that's, that's it speaks volumes, man, for sure. Well, you know, I mean, I think that brings it back to the whole honoring thing because I wanted yeah. to honor the man by listening to him. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's enough said to, to uh, about like honoring uh, people who are older. You know, there's mm-hmm. all the experience they've collected throughout their life. Like, no one's sitting and talking to people who are older. Like, the wealthiest place is the nursing home for people that have their minds intact. Why aren't we going there and like trying to like glean like life lessons like how could how could we live better you know i, I think we're very lucky that we've had the church you know to kind of guide us in that respect mm-hmm. and uh you know it, by no means I, i'm not here to tell someone you need to convert you know <laughs> but like this this is um this is what's helped me and i think I'm, and you know i i, I mentioned uh, we, we were talking prior to that i mean the word catholicism means universal so it, i mean these are you know just universal principles to living you know um you had mentioned about the Exodus 90 that you were doing, which yeah. was sounded strict, you mm. know, and, and and I think there are a lot of people who could be put off to that. Like, why would you, uh, why would you restrict yourself from doing all these things that you want to do? You know, you should be able to enjoy life to the fullest. YOLO. Do people still yeah, say YOLO? I think is, so. Is, am I, is I, that? I, I feel like our generation probably does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, with Exodus 90, it was funny because I, I didn't even want to do it. And it came, it's, it's, it's 90 days before Easter, obviously, the number 90, right? And I was on the fence about doing it. And a buddy of mine, our mutual friend, Matt, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do Exodus 90. It's 2021. 2020 was rough for everybody for a wide variety of reasons. I want to do this, you know? Um, and he texted me. He goes, hey, man, by the way, you don't have to do this. You're a good man. He, he sent me a huge... And most guys, and, and I'll always revisit this because most men aren't that vulnerable or will call each other out this openly. But he goes, Matt, you're oh, you're a good friend. You're a good guy. You don't have to do Exodus 90. You're okay. It's going to be so hard. It's, you know, and looking out for me in, in, my, in his best interest because we're, we're, we're best buds, right? Um, but I, I just had this, this seed in my heart post 2020 where I'm like, I need to try something that's going to really strengthen me, give me some discipline and I think oftentimes we think of discipline as being like, oh, I get everything off my to-do list. Like, I see you have a calendar here. Like, what do I have coming up? Yeah, it's empty right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have like, oh, here's my projects. Here's my timeline. What's my strategy? What's my five or 10-year plan or whatever? And we think that's just discipline. And when I learned through Exodus 90, and I'm saying right now, you don't have to do Exodus 90. I'm not, I'm not paid. I'm not sponsored. This episode's not sponsored <laughs> by the Catholic Church or Exodus 90. This is what helps us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for what Exodus 90 did for me was just really show me that, like, I don't have to be in control all the time. Mm. And I'm realizing just through through Exodus 90, through therapy, through the way the, wor- the world's been this past year anyway, it's like, it's okay not to be in control. And my, my need for control and my need for perfectionism a lot of times is rooted in a lot of wounds that I never even knew existed. But if it wasn't for Exodus 90 clearing a lot of the distractions and the escapes that I was going to, I wouldn't have recognized this. Mm. So it's good. And I, I love how you're, you're, you are so introspective in a good way. Because sometimes if you're super, super introspective, in not the best context, you'll, you'll be selfish and think about yourself. And how does this affect me, 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 me? But when you remove a lot of, of distractions and escapes of what I did through Exodus 90, 
I realized more so diving into mental health that I, I need to, and I am currently growing in empathy. And when you, the more you dive, at least for me anyway, that the more I've, I've dove in straight into this whole mental health realm for myself, I'm growing more in empathy. I'm under, and I'm not exonerating people for toxic behaviors or whatever. I'm not saying that, but understanding, oh, wow, this person acts this way because of a wound. They're anxious because of X, Y, Z, or they're dismissive because of X, Y, Z. Um, and learning that, I think if you grow, if you dive more into mental health and you're not empathetic, you have to dive in more. Absolutely. You're missing, there's something, and I'm not saying that you're, you're bad, you're not doing it right. There's no right way to do this, right? But if you're really into mental health, whatever that context or level may be, and you're not growing in empathy, there's something that's missing still. And you have to find that still. And I'm still finding that. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert. I'm not, I don't have a degree in this stuff, right? Um, but I'm learning now that like empathy is so important in that context of mental health. Yeah. You know, um, I have this challenge with myself. Um, mm. the, the places where I've worked in in the past, uh, you know, because the patient is not the I'm not the first person the patient is going to be in contact with. You should be the desk person or a therapist or whatever. And sometimes I'll have a therapist or, or administrative person say, oh, this person's an a-hole. They're such a terrible person. You're going to hate them. You know what I start doing? In my mind, I'm like, how am I, how am I going to force this person to like me? Like, wow. it, it, how am I going to get on this person's um, good, good side? And how can I find out why people think that they're like that? You know, so I go into it, again, wanting to honor the person. Like, none of us asked to be here. You know what I mean? Like, we're just all here. And it is what it is. We're all human beings. I hate that statement. You know, it's very general, it's but very general. it's also very humbling at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, what are we doing here? You know, where are we going? Why, why are we being, you know, like, being a person is such a complicated thing that people don't just become who they are for whatever reason. People mm -hmm. don't just become spiteful, hateful, angry, or happy, joyful, for no reason. They've had experiences that have kind of, carved their personality and their worldview you know? yeah like i think we all have kind of our own um general spirit like i can see it my my four-year-old is a she hates it but i say she's the incredible hulk and then she'll go mah, mah. <laughs> you know and my seven-year-old she's totally my spirit very sensitive very like if she doesn't get something she wants she's very sad about it you said that we would play today <laughs> you yeah yeah and she'll cry you know so i think we all have our general spirit but i think our experiences carve us so like mm -hmm. when i when i start talking to someone and they're so angry so like violent with their words what has happened to you in your life that comes from a place man absolutely Somewhere, yeah. yeah you know see what we gotta we, i think it's so important to like honor people and our experiences i think especially in the context we've been blessed you know mm. and so not not everyone is blessed to the same degree so i mean to, to help other people to pull them up from wherever they're at and to show them like love and care you know it's it's a uh, empathy is you know some people have a different uh, some people don't have a clear uh, idea of empathy some people think empathy is like i feel bad for you mm -hmm. yeah but that's sympathy right yeah. empathy is like i can't even imagine what you're dealing Just with understanding right now. And yeah, yeah meeting I, them where they're at yeah yeah, I mean, yeah you know um, and I think during the pandemic, especially, I mean, there are so many people like just, um, like hopeless. I mean, there are so many like deaths and people losing their jobs and on all this kind of stuff. And so it's like to be empathetic to those situations because not everyone's there. So why don't we try to kind of get on their page and help them out and, and, and see people have experienced at. different levels of trauma. I think during the pandemic where like I have friends of mine that they didn't lose anybody and everything is fine. And other yeah. people were half the family is gone now. Yeah. And we're, and I think to some degree, maybe that was, you know, 
God or whatever you may believe in, whoever's listening to this, showing us that there's wide varieties of how trauma affects different people. Because I have one spectrum of like a lot of people that are like, you know, anti-COVID, they believe it doesn't exist. You know, they live in like the farmland somewhere, they're distant from it. Oh, it's just something on the news. Right. Whereas I know other people on the other spectrum were, yeah, I mentioned half their family is gone. People from a wide variety of ages are no longer with us, rest their souls, right? Mm. And like, I'm just here like, what do I, what do I, what do I do with all this information? What do I do with all this? And I think like you mentioned earlier with this podcast and just the medium of podcasting, the medium of storytelling, and just take, take away the medium, just like being able to be, present with somebody during whatever time they'd be maybe suffering or going through right now that i think speaks a lot of volumes I, i'm praying a lot during exodus 90 and lent even post lent and not even your typical like catholic novenas or whatever i'm just having a straight up conversation with our lord just like hey what do i do me a solid god what am i supposed to do <laughs> and i remember one of the exercises i had my spiritual i have a spiritual director uh priest friend of mine but why don't you describe, I mean, I know yeah. what a spiritual director is, but, and that's actually something I've, I've thought about uh, okay. acquiring uh, as if it's a piece of merchandise or something. But <laughs> I what, what I, it, yeah. well, why don't you explain what uh, having a spiritual advisor is like? So um, I would, I kind of coined this to some degree on, a, on another podcast, I think someone else's podcast, where it's not just a spiritual director that I have. I have what I call um, a, trini a trinity of masculinity in my life. Because for the longest time, I was kind of white-knuckling it, doing it DIY. I come from a punk rock Jersey culture where I was like, oh, let's do it on my own. Learn about things on my own. I'm my own person, on my own island. I got this, right? So post-2020, I'm like, no, I need some guidance. And uh, I was reading this book, uh, Wild at Heart, uh, by John Eldridge. Really great book. Uh, and he was there, he's mentioning that we as men, we need accountability and we need people to advise us on things. And for the longest time, I'm like, I don't need a therapist. I don't need a spiritual director. I have everything on my own. I'm successful. I got this going on. And, he, and in the book, John's talking about, John Eldridge mentions like CEOs, presidents, they all have advisors. They have secretaries. They have a team that helps them. So as a man to be like, oh, I don't need help. Who are you to say that? Everyone needs that semblance of, so in that context, having a spiritual director for me is having, or at least in, in maybe more of the Catholic context is having a priest that kind of talks to you and you have conversations and he kind of guides you. He doesn't kind of ride the ship per se or, or tell you what to do. It's just more of a, like a dynamic conversation. And when I was going back to the uh, Trinity of masculinity that I have, hashtag Trinity of masculinity, <laughs> um, I have three men in my life that are mind, body, soul guide me. Um, so I have Father Zach Swantek, who's the chaplain of Princeton. He's my spiritual director. Uh, I have a therapist. Um, and then I have a uh, trainer, my brother, who does martial arts. And that's mind, body, soul. And that really since January, I, I adopted that because 2020 was, there's a lot of craziness last year. And uh, coming into 2021, I'm like, I need some guidance. I know I'm in my 30s and I'm an adult, but I still need, we all need guidance. And that for me, having those three men and going back to discernment now, I'm able to figure out, okay, it's not about me. And hearing other people's perspectives from different uh, avenues, from a spiritual, mental, and physical context, like to hear opinions from other guys and they're accountable to me and vice versa. So like my, my spiritual director, uh, Father Zach, is he takes more of that emotional, spiritual component for me and he guides me and he doesn't teach me. He doesn't preach to me. He just, he's there for me in the trenches and he'll advise me. He'll give me a certain techniques. He, he advised me to do Exodus 90, for example, right? Uh, and I have my, my brother, um, uh, Mike Panna of uh, Bayani Warrior Martial Arts, who is like my personal trainer, martial arts trainer, my guru, and he is hard on me. And the fact that he's my brother and training me. He's makes it even harder. Hard, exactly. Right. And I needed that. I needed some semblance of discipline and self-control and honestly to kind of get my ass handed to me, part of my French. Yeah. He's going to be thrown to the ground, be hit with a stick and, and fight. And the, no, the embrace of being thrown to the ground and fighting, I needed, I needed that. 
And I think those are the two spectrums I have spiritually and physically. And then I have my therapist who kind of, he's a little bit of both where he's Catholic, he's conservative, but he's also, he's a mental health practitioner. So he, he gets both like he, I need, I need uh, to be driven and told what to do and, re and be really kind of um, pushed in a good context. But also in a mental spiritual component, he's able to be like, pray for me, you know, and he's able to to guide me and understand, okay, where are these wounds coming from? So having those three kind of intertwined in my life now, it helps me get out of my own head and be like, oh, okay, like I think I'm doing right. Oh, this is why I'm doing it. I'm whether it's career wise, relationship wise, you know, uh, vocational wise. Oh, like I'm doing this because I want to. Having those three guys in my life helps me be like, okay, Matt, like that's good. Oh, that's not good. Or why do you do this? How come you're doing this? Maybe you could do this later on. So I think for me, having those three people in my life, and I'm not saying you have to get a bunch of advisors in your own personal life, but that to me has helped. It's been a game changer in 2021 to be like, okay, why do I do these things? Where am I going with this? And what can I do to be a bridge for others? And that's been the big thing I've been praying on. We're talking about pulses and, and not just vocations and not just discernment and surrendering, but like, how can I be a bridge for other people? And I think this podcast is a perfect medium and outlet for us to be bridges for each other, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for you, this would not be here, mm. right? So Amen. I, I mean, um, I totally honor you in, in that endeavor because the thing is a lot of Thank people, you. I mean, you might say, oh, you know, I, I really appreciate that you you uh, pointed out to me you know, that I had this introspection, but mm. I mean that what you're having right now, you don't see a lot of people in their thirties, mm. like looking on how how can I develop as a person spiritually, mentally, and physically. You don't see that too much. Uh, a lot of people are kind of just living for the moment, you yeah. know, what whatever feels good. Um, and it's interesting, like you know, it it's based on Catholic principle, discipline. Really? Yeah, but but then other people, you know, they, they might not say it's Catholic, but I mean to say, I know Jocko Willick will say discipline is freedom, mm -hmm. but that's that's totally universal, you know, and that's such a, so to do these things in Exodus ninety, like where you're avoiding certain things for a certain period of time, like you gain so much control over yourself, control, right? Yeah, because uh, you know what is it? The body, uh, the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, mm. right? There's these things that like we're just pulled to do things we don't want to do. And then the things that we do want to do, we don't. Was that Saint? Who is that Saint? Uh, 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 Jose Maria Escriva, maybe, or Augustine, yeah, or something. Yeah, one of yeah. one of the two. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's such like a again a universal principle. I mean, how many people are listening to this right now who are doing things that they probably don't feel great about doing, but they do them anyway? Mm. And the things that they really want. How many people have you told? Have you talked to that? Like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this right now. And you, you know, get, and, they and they're it, eating yeah. it right in front of you. Or, or oh, I wish I would have got up and go to the gym this morning. Or I, I wish I didn't yell at my wife. Should have, would have, could have, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard being human. So then, again, like honoring the human spirit and, and supporting people, and, and especially in a community. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, so I think you have a core, but then you have a, you know, you have a bigger, um, a bigger community surrounding you, you know, which is a, really a gift. Um, and I think we need to have this uh, community to be able to honor each other. You know, I mentioned to you earlier um, I guess the tradition had kind of fell off in the community, but back in the day, uh, I mean, when I was growing up, when it was your birthday uh, and it was a birthday party, everybody stopped and okay, it's time to honor so-and-so. And then everyone would go one by one and say the one thing that we honored about wow. the person. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was great. And it was just like all of these things. Uh, I mean, I've, I've witnessed it. I've been a part of it mm. and um, it was just really affirming. And it just was like, all right, well, people see, I mean, how often do we get criticized, right? Because on the other side is, is criticism and criticism doesn't feel great, but sometimes we need it. And depending on the person and how much we honor the person, we'll accept that criticism. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure uh, your, uh, your trinity of, mm -hmm. of, uh, of masculinity, yeah, of yes. masculinity uh, some things will sound critical, but you honor them so that 
you honor them and because you honor them you'll change yeah. you know have a metanoia right that's the that's what uh, metanoia yeah. means um so this was really nice um what was really cool is i mean you and i are not a part of this community anymore mm-hmm. uh kind of on a periphery maybe but like it's not a regular thing i mean um so when i turned i think it was 35 or th- probably 35 i've lost touch with a lot of people from that community and now you know you'd mentioned earlier that i have like crossfit people you know yeah. on the podcast because it it's like so communal right you go to you go to the gym it's not like uh planet fitness where you kind of go and do your own thing no offense to anyone that does platinum fitness i used to pre-pandemic yeah, no so offense. yeah i got you yeah. no but some people love planet fitness yeah. i saw a guy who got a huge tattoo of planet fitness logo Whoa, on his back yeah super fan yeah super that's a lot of commitment yeah. man oh god but i mean you're pretty much going in doing your thing mm-hmm. maybe you have a buddy that goes with you or not you know but with crossfit it's like you have a regimen you have yeah. like programming for six weeks accountability is weeks. so influential yeah and wow. then you have like a class that you go to and you see the same people every day mm-hmm. and so when you're having a bad day at the gym people might be like come on man you got this you know um, so really what ended up happening is, and also as an adult, how do you make friends? You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have like friends in my workplace that I hang out with, you know, it's kind of like you spent the whole day with them and, and you want to do your own you wanna, thing. Yeah. You want to yeah, go exactly. home. Like, yeah. yeah, we saw each other. <laughs> Where's that outlet? Where is that community? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Norman, a comedian that I just recently saw. I, I, I love him. I've seen him several times, but he says, uh, why would you want to hang out with me? We, we just worked together eight hours. We made it. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs> like, I don't want to see you anymore. Um, no, and it's not that. I love, you know, some people that I work with, I really, really mm-hmm. love and, and, and honor as well. But um, but really, it's, I haven't made new friends, you know, because, I mean, I'm not in school, you know, and I'm not going to bars. And, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not a part of, like, you know, I think one other thing is, like, these, uh, like, city sports groups. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, you have that too. But for me, it was CrossFit. So, Many of my friends just happened to be in CrossFit. It wasn't because oh, you're my, you're doing CrossFit. You're my friend. We're the same. It was just we, we saw each other every day. It was organic, you know. And you got something out of it that you know you both bonded over, and not just like doing a bunch of lifts and and, and regimented things, but just like communal stuff. You have iron sharpens iron, right? And when you're with these people, and like you're vulnerable. I can imagine if you're if you can't you know lift a certain amount of weight. And someone's pushing you on. They see you struggling. They see your face wincing. That, that's yeah. something you don't show to everybody. Yeah, you right? don't. You yeah. don't show your your worst parts of no. yourself or your best parts. Mm. So when I turned thirty five, um, so we went out to some place in the city, no, in Jersey City actually, mm. and it was like, it was funny because I don't know if you know Sheree, really good friend of mine. Oh yeah, you know Sheree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she came, um, and then she was like, "Wow, Salman, all your friends are so buff." I was like, "Sheree, your husband's right there." <laughs> Look away. <laughs> but, Shield your eyes. But yeah. like, yeah, that was just all my friends. So probably 90% of the people that came, it was probably like 30, 40 people that came, which was cool. It really felt loved, you know? And so probably 90% were CrossFit people and 10% were like people from the community or, or some, of my, mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, some wow. of my old bandmates, you know? Um, so at some point in time, my friend uh, Taco, his name is Juan Taco, but we call him Taco. Mm. He's like, yo, everyone get over here. And, uh, so I'm like, all right, well, what's going on? So then yeah. we're all kind of gathered like in a circle. And then, uh, and then Taco says, Arlene told us that back in the day, um, ah, damn it. Emotions. Uh, uh, but back Brilliant. in the, back yes. in the day, uh, uh, you guys used to do this and she told us about this honoring thing. So we want to do that with you. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, and they just did it on their own volition, on their straight. own volition, everybody, you know, and I was, and actually, one that really touched me was my, my really good friend, Chris. Um, he had said, uh, 
you know, Samuel, we, we really see that you have a faith and that you, you live by this. And, you know, I see how you, you try so hard in your life with your kids and your wife. And it's just like, you're really an inspiration to us. And I'm like, well, I didn't know I was doing anything. <laughs> you know, I don't, it's, it's tough to say this kind of stuff. Cause I mean, it could sound self-indulgent, but like, I, I don't, I'm not like, Hey guys, look at me, you know, like, but it's like, this is just how I'm trying to live. And it's a struggle trying to live this way, but I, I know it's hard. And I know people are not going to put this pressure on themselves. But I found like there's the more I live this way, the more freedom I have, you know, mm. just like with you, like if you're doing Exodus 90, like you're cutting out all these different things. Now you have this freedom to kind of do the things that you want. You know, I've heard this, in, you know, the criticisms of, of like a religion. Oh, it's so restricting. You know, I'm a father. I have you see my house. I have a fence, right? Mm -hmm. A good father. Uh, if I did not have a fence in my backyard, uh, we have bears here, by the way. No, seriously, <laughs> we have bears. Up North Jersey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, if I, oh, and we have streets. So as a, uh, if I was not a good father, I would not have any fences and my kids can just play in the backyard and they can go out into the street, get hit by a car, or eaten by a bear or attacked or whatever. But it, as a good father, I want to make sure that I have a fence. There are boundaries, man. There are That's boundaries. So important, there dude. are boundaries. And so within important. those boundaries, they can enjoy everything they want within mm -hmm. those boundaries yeah. to keep them safe. You know? Um, so some of these things, you know, I know we have free will, but, uh, you know, some of these things are, are, are meant to be gifts, you know, like yeah. we have, we, or we have the ability to choose, but that's like a, a muscle. Discipline is a muscle, right? You work on it. Yeah. yeah. So like, and I think in a, in a spiritual way, in a mental way, you doing Exodus 90 is, is like developing that muscle to be able to say, no, I, I want to choose this thing versus that thing. Because I know every time I do this one thing, I feel less good about myself and I feel like I'm not the person I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the best version of yourself, yeah, the like best version, right, yeah. right. Like, like mm -hmm. Matthew Kelly. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, having that honoring session, I'm like, man, it kind of, it gave me motivation to like be more of that. Like mm -hmm. if this is helping someone to be a better person and I'm not even doing it, I mean, I'm not sitting there counseling people like this is how you need to be, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but to give them like a, a good example. And I, and I think we're called to that. And I think in our faith, you know, that you and I practice, I think yeah. we're, we're called to be that, you know, in a way, I know, because, and, and to be authentic about it. Cause if we're living a life and saying, Oh, you know, Jesus is our guy and we're doing silly things, you know, like, I mean, you know, there's this one song by DC talk where there's like a little bit of a speech beforehand. I think the song is called, what if I stumble? Mm. So before the song starts, it says uh, the greatest uh, deterrent to Christianity is Christians. It's yourself. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah because I mean, own. you, you have it, you show an example. I've mm. had people tell me as, as like kind of like a sly remark, like, aren't you Christian? You know, if you look at my Instagram, uh, thing, um, one of my things on my, uh, bio, a short bio says uh, aspiring Catholic, yeah. you know, I mean, I am Catholic, I'm baptized, you know, but still it's a constant, uh, work, you know, you're a work in progress, man. Yeah. yeah. Just like fitness is a constant work or, mm -hmm. or mental health is a constant work, you know? I'm really glad that you, I didn't know you were seeing a therapist. Yeah, it's been it's been foundational for me. Where and he's a Catholic therapist. And one thing that I'm learning that my biggest I think uh, I wouldn't say aversion to it, but biggest concern about therapy is I have a lot of friends that do therapy, and it was twofold. It was a lot of it was really based on the separation of of parent and individual. And I think with uh, I think with a Christian therapist or a Catholic therapist, there is that unitive aspect because in Christian and Catholic circles, the family is the primary unit of salvation of society 
And a lot of friends of mine that went to therapy, maybe they weren't Christian therapists per se, but a lot of it was like, here's your wound of origin, your family wounds, and it's all your parents' fault, and you're okay. And there's no accountability. At least friends I knew that did therapy. So that was kind of my thing. I'm like, I don't want to do therapy if it's going to blame my parents for everything and I'm just a victim. It's, I, don't, I don't like that mentality. I want to be able to own, own something and make it tangible and work on myself, right? Um, but the benefits, I think, for my therapist is, yeah, your wounds come from a place, but also their wounds came from other people and it's kind of a system and it's kind of a cycle and recognizing where that comes from and not like shaming or blaming somebody but knowing okay this is where it came from and how how does it affect me and how do i really look into it and one thing my therapist was telling me is you know hearing these things and diving into wounds and hearing criticism and hearing feedback especially feedback and criticism that you don't like it's kind of like alcohol on the wound. Mm. You need the alcohol on the wound to clean up some of the gunk in the wound, right? And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like a mother, bro. Yeah. But like having that alcohol and hearing things about myself I didn't even know, good and bad. And I think this, this whole need for listening and affirmation, I think the longest time I've never been able to be vulnerable with other people because I'm always the one, whether it's podcasting, drumming, I'm always the one serving and keeping everything together. And that's one thing I learned in therapy was like, he's like, Matt, you don't have to give it 110% all the time. And he called me out. My therapist called me out a couple of weeks ago. I had a session with him. And he goes, Matt, you're, you're, you're a good kid. Just take it back 10%. You're overdoing it and you're hard on yourself for not accomplishing 120% when you're so used to going boom, 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 fighting, 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 working, working. Just take it back 10%. You're a good kid. And he's an older older guy, probably yeah. 70s, old school Staten Island guy. Love it. Yeah. And he calls me out on my shit. But he also recognizes like, okay, these things come from a place. Where do they come from? So having that, those three people in my life really have taught me the appropriate type of discernment. Because when you kind of white knuckle it and do it yourself, you think you, you think very introspectively internally, like, oh, what's how's this going to benefit me? What's me, 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 me? And to have three people that you're accountable to, whether it's you know, whether it's a trinity of masculinity or even just like going to a, a CrossFit gym or having your own kind of support system, you're accountable to people. And the fact that like they could bring it back to you and honor you on your birthday. As we don't honor, especially as men and people, we don't really honor each other appropriately. At least as guys, anyway. I think women have that bone in their body where they're able to affirm more. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, men, you go, girl. Yeah, exactly. You know, but really but dudes, that. it's like, yo, you're being a bitch right now. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Come be, on. You know, yeah, and I'm exactly. like, whoa, that's not, that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, there's, I think we need to do that more. I, I think that was a heavy, you know, it's interesting. I really wanted this to kind of be a thing that also, like, like what would I teach my kids? I have three girls, mm. so but I find that a lot of... I'm being pulled more to talk to men, you know, about being vulnerable, about, yeah. you know, expressing emotion, you know, and even to each other. Like it's, it is exhausting being a dude. I, I think there's so much out there, you know, for women, there's so much support out there for women. Uh, we need to lift each other up and da, 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 da. But for dudes, it's just like, bro, grow the fuck up. Like, you know, and it's just yeah. like exhausting to have to be this, uh, this uh, American male, mm-hmm. you know, across the board, it's it's like who who is creating these standards of what this is? And who also, wrote the rules? Who wrote the yeah, rules? Exactly. And then and then mm-hmm. I, I feel that there's not enough acknowledgement about all the things that guys do. Yep. Like, for example, I I don't know if any men listening to this who have uh, uh, kids, you know, get this, you know, on Father's Day. But like when Father's Day comes around, like Arlene's like, hey, what do you want to do for Father's Day? I'm like, when is that? She's like. This Sunday, I'm like, oh, oh wow. I don't even know, because I'm I'm not looking as a guy. I'm just like doing what I got to do. I'm not looking to be honored. I'm not looking for people to do something for me. Yeah. My birthday, different story. My birthday, go all out. Yeah, yeah. FYI, whoever's yeah. Re- listening to this. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my thing, uh, take me to Peter Luger's on my birthday, <laughs> and and that's I'm happy. Mm. Or get me the newest Apple product yeah. or something. But uh, but yeah, like and I and I really, 
I feel like when I've honored people to their, you know, to them, it's like weird. Like we're not even used to accepting it's it. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, do you have an agenda or, oh, that's weird, yeah. you know? But like, yeah, like why don't we tell people more about, you know, about that? Because we can definitely criticize all day. And uh, something I also want to talk about was like the opposite of of, uh, of honoring is like having judgments and criticism. Because mm. honestly, like that, that happens a lot too. I know for me, this is one thing I have, I struggle with. You know, I used to be in a community, you know, after the one that we were in. Yep where um that was a focus like um judgments of others like we are like judging machines and i never saw myself as that but then once that was kind of taught to me i'm like man i judge everybody yeah, by your own personal lens to all, some degree right? all the yeah. time you know and uh it's it made me like hyper aware to a fault you know um and i find that when i'm judging people not honoring them as a person it leaves like a residue on me you know mm. what i mean like spiritually like it doesn't fill me with like a good feeling. And it lingers. It, it lingers. To you, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm from Jersey. Like, F that guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 East Coast mentality. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And again, I think it, it, it uh, it's fine. I don't know who's going to listen to this. So I'm kind of taking a, taking a, a leap it, here, yeah, but I'm just going to be for real. Like, so I had uh, written a song, you know, uh, with, uh, with someone that I know. Hmm. And, uh, and I was not given credit for this song at all. And I was like, oh man, like, <laughs> wow like what kind of prayer i would never do that to somebody because i want to honor the person i don't I, anything that anyone does i want to and, and if someone tells me i didn't honor them in some way i would love to know mm -hmm. so if anyone feels that way he was listening please call <laughs> yeah, right now yeah please and i will say sorry and i'll try to change <laughs> you know but if we're not if we're not having this communion with each other you know yeah. if we're not having uh community and, and speaking with each other we'll never know so we'll just have all these judgments and resentments about people you mm. know so, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it, it's just not enough uh, that we have to be doing. I mean, one thing I did want to kind of dial back to is, you yeah. know, you were talking about your therapist and then like this, um, uh, some therapist would kind of like go, oh, origin of Luna is your parents and this is why the way you are, the way you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in light of having therapy and kind of going through your family dynamics, did that make it more difficult or easier to honor your parents? Ooh, wow. I think yes and no in, in a wide variety of ways. And I actually had a conversation with my dad about this uh, last week, around this time last week, actually, about me going to therapy and things like that. And that was my dad's concern was similar to what I used to have uh, concerns over. And my dad was like, oh, I hear, you know, my friend's kids are going to therapy and all they do is just blame their parents. And like, you know, they blame, blame, blame. And they kind of forget how much we sacrifice to come here for our kids. And I think to some degree, there is immigrant trauma that gets passed down. That could be a conversation for a different day, right? But um, I told my dad, I, I affirmed him and reassured him, I'm like, Dad, I don't blame you for things because you did the best with what you could have at that time. You know, you, I'm saying you grow in empathy, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. I have so much more empathy for my dad for having to come here. And, and my dad was also a limo driver and a cabbie, and he can't That's came so, here. To, yeah, I which no is, idea. Yeah, I know that either. So, like, I understand the struggles he went through. But at the same time, I'm like, Dad, like, certain things just happened. It wasn't your fault, but certain things just happened, and it's just life. You know, yeah. you're exposed to things. You like things kind of stay, stick, stick on you and stay on you after life. It's just the way life is. But I, I refer my dad. And I looked him in the eye. I'm like, Dad, I don't blame you for anything. That's just, and you raised me that way to always take ownership of my own, you know, mess, if you will, right? And I think that's a big concern for I think our parents' generation. But for me, anyway, like I think I I, I honor them. I under I honor them in the sense of seeing where their weaknesses are more, but not letting that you know take control of my perspective on them because i think a lot of times like for me anyway i always tell my parents is like oh they're they're magnificent majestic unicorns they've done no wrong they came to this country and it was and it, it is great i honor them to that degree but then realizing too there's a lot of wounds they carried from whether they're old cultures or even coming here uh, and having to struggle you know my dad was 
like a limo driver and a stock boy and a short order cook and all these things. His, his college degree was not recognized in this country. And from my, my dad is like, oh, I, I just I worked and now and I eventually got my accounting job and now I'm retired and I'm happy. He is happy. He's, he's successful. And he's happy. But there is a lot of that trauma that, that gets carried when you go to a country and your college degree is not recognized. That's I can't imagine how hard that I is. I can't imagine. And now we, we have like American degrees from good universities and we can basically work anywhere we want, really. And our fathers never had that. Our parent generation had more difficulty. And this is only really 20 or 30 years ago. Bro, I would right? not. I could not. If you told me right now, to you, you, to can ha- you can have the same life that you have now. In another country, but you're gonna have to start all over. I would never. Right? I would even right now. You're gonna lose everything unless you do everything all over again. No way. Get the reset there, I, I don't know Ooh. if I can do everything that I got done to get here now. It, it's, you know, but in, yeah, but with parents, like, you know, I, I think there's not enough, uh, yeah, uh, honoring them in the sense that they had all this difficulty, mm. but it started somewhere else. There, there was a uh, an initiating event somewhere in the family line, right? And you see this. I mean, even in mental health, you'll see. Uh, depression alcoholism you know uh, affairs you know i mean you know all this kind it of stuff stems from somewhere yeah man. It, yeah and yeah. it goes down the family line it's like people kind of uh end up mimicking their parents unless yep. somehow some way they have this like realization like oh my gosh i don't want to be like this yep. you know for me like my parents are divorced uh everyone in my family is pretty much divorced you know and uh and it was like a thing like all right I used to judge my parents, you know, like I hated my parents for getting a divorce. Oh, I hated man. all the drama. And then I was like, you know, being the oldest, having to kind of. It's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, yeah. I hate, I, I hated it. And then uh, I was very angry at them both. But then at some point in time, when my dad left the house, I was like, you know what? I have to have a relationship with my father. That's my father. I mean, uh, whether, okay. So, I mean, I guess that goes from Bible principle, like honor your mother and father, you know? And so I, I, I don't know why, but that, I really took that to heart. And I guess and you stuck with it. And really. I stuck with yeah. it. And I was like, you know what? I should see him. I should see him, even if it's like once every couple of weeks. So we would sit in like a coffee shop, just talk, you know. And sometimes, you know, my dad would tell me things, you know, he would stew over the past. And I would have to, I, I mean, I hear the same, I used to hear the same stories all the time, you know. And I was like, he's suffering. This is, this is hard for him, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and I didn't know his side of the story. You know, I knew my mom's side of the story. I knew what was going on in her end. Um, and, and, I, and I was kind of angry about everything that happened. I mean, essentially, just to briefly talk about is my, yeah, sure. again, the Filipino culture thing is sending money back home, yeah. right? You get a Filipino who moves <laughs> to the America, who yeah. moves to America. Now, if you're in America, you're rich. And now you need to support all the family all back home. Yeah. But I mean, there was a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of, in my opinion, you know, take, being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And my father, you know, uh, you know, my mom working two jobs as a full, as two full-time jobs as a nurse, oh, full-time man. day job and a full-time night job. You know, so I don't even know how she did it. And so she was like never home. And my father, you know, uh, worked as a limousine driver at nighttime. So I couldn't even say there were two ships passing in the night because, I mean, there were days where there they, they so wouldn't see. There was fog in the way you yeah, could see the exactly, in the first place. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, um, at one point my dad just got tired of it. Like, you need to stop doing this for your family. Focus on your family. And uh, and at the time, my, my mom was the breadwinner. So she was like, you know, it's a different dynamic too. So she had to do it for whatever reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so once my dad left and, and then I found out that he felt all this way, but he would, he never had the, uh, the emotional capacity to express that to her. Mm. I love you. I want you to be with us. Your children need to see you more, you know, and wow. this and that. But then my mom being so stuck because in her family, she was like the least of them, you know? And so, 
she was taken, in my opinion, still taken advantage of, and and she felt like that. And I that's still, a cultural thing, though. Yeah, yeah it's totally that, cultural. With Filipino moms of that generation, I think that's a cultural. Yeah, thing. and you yeah. just have to give, give, give whatever mm-hmm. they want. But then you know, uh, so yeah. But then I still like I have to honor them in their experience and. And, but at the same time, separate enough to say, you know, that's not what I want for my life, you know, and I don't want that for, uh, my children going and, forward. And now, they're, yeah. yeah. So being this, uh, chain breaker mm-hmm. of, of this, of divorce, you know? So now like when Arlene and I have a problem, like I'm expressive, you know, so wow, wow. I, I'm working on how expressive I could be, you know, cause I could <laughs> In be the over, right way. <laughs> hey, I could be overly expressive, like, no, fuck this shit. you know, uh, but I mean, that's a challenge too, but I mean, it's it's a course correction. So I think there's something about honoring our parents and their experience and what came before. I mean, my dad's dad died when he was only like nine or ten, and he had to shoulder the family. You know, um, so yeah. But I, and I think when we honor people, we're able to pull from their experience too. You know, like your father being able to honor him and that he was able to come here. I can't even move to a different state. Let we're alone. talking about moving to like Bergen County in Jersey City, yeah. in, within the state of yeah. New Jersey. Like, this yeah. was hard enough. You yeah. know, moving from. From uh, Bergenfield to Morris yeah, County, that's it. Yeah. you know, uh, and I feel like a stranger here. But I mean, hmm. going to a different country, you don't know the customs, the culture, the language, yeah, especially, and you don't have the education that's represent the, that is uh, accepted here. Oh my gosh, I think just about the only education hands down that'll come over is nurses, right? Yeah, because there was really. a big like mass. Uh, I guess in the '80s there was there was such a shortage. You a know, huge even, exodus coming here to this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but mean, I think it's it's interesting when you when you think about honoring your parents because biblically you mentioned biblically honoring your thy father and mother, right? And I think the the good part about that is you're honoring and you're respecting and you're giving due. Uh, but I think at the same time, I always thought of it as like for me as a Filipino, right? In Filipino culture, like oh, uh, I have to honor my parents. Um, that my alarm were yours. Oh, I don't my, know. Oops, I don't know. Sorry. if it's my kids oh, playing piano. Oh, oh my, my alarm. Oh crap! Sorry, that came on. Um, uh, I'll take that again. Um, so, in terms of honoring your parents, I always thought I was like, oh, I have to do everything my parents say, and have no boundaries at all, and just whatever they say goes. And I think that really, uh, now that I'm going to therapy, I'm learning. Wow, that's really rooted in my people pleasing mentality, where I'm like, I need to make everyone happy. As a marketer, we're both marketing majors, right? Like, how do I, you know, sell something to somebody? How do I, you know, get their attention and make sure the message comes across? I get the right result and engagement that I want. And a lot of that stems from like, what is really honoring your parents? And I like how you're mentioning, like you, you recognize that, but you also kind of, you break the chain of whatever that might be. And there's this whole like mental health speak of like, you know, uh, breaking the toxic cycle. And I think the word toxicity is so overused. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah, kind of grimy yeah. That's nowadays. toxic in itself. Yeah, in it, exa- yeah, 100%. Yeah, because you're saying you're to- you're, if it breaks the toxic cycle, like they don't even know. Like, you know, actually, it's funny you mentioned um, your dad's uh, doing the best he could with what he knew at the time. Yes. If you listen, I don't know if you've listened to the very, very end, but at the end of this podcast, the the, the, the outro is we've, um, up until this point, we've done the best we could with, with what we've known, mm. you know? And and it's true. Like, there's just, there's been no awareness. How could you fault someone for not having awareness? Yeah, who's you culpable know? in this instance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are just certain, there's law to follow, but like, you know, uh how are you going to know that you're um, you're not filling someone's cup? Like how, unless my wife tells me, you know what, this really hurt me that you said, that you, you said this and it hurt me. Or, you know, I really felt like I needed your help, but I felt like you just weren't um, responsive when I, when I really needed you. Actually, pretty recently, my, uh, my mother-in-law, she was in the hospital for COVID, you know? Wow. Yeah, she was there for five days, you know, um, and it was a scary time for my wife. And, um, you know, I fell short of, of being as um, Presence, maybe, present or, yeah. as I, as I could have been or asking, yeah. you know, I, I felt that I was asking, but I, I felt that I was 
doing the right thing. Because, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't enough, you know. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. So when she had told me, I kind of like blew up. Like, how could I have known? You know, like you didn't mm. say anything to me, you know. And, but also, she didn't know that she needed to tell me, you know. So it was like a big whole thing about how. Wow, it we goes were, both ways. Though. Yeah, it's we were both. Recognize yeah, that. we both. Yeah, we didn't yeah. understand that. She didn't understand that she needed, or she should have told me. It wasn't a, yeah. a trigger, and I didn't understand that she needed more. And I didn't, and that didn't like occur to me to ask more, you know, and it was just but the fact that you, you're talking about this in hindsight. Now you're able to both recognize that in each other and have that conversation and figure out, okay, we both need to work on this together. Yes. And I think whether it's relationships, careers, friendships, even moving places, a lot of people, in my opinion, like my, my friend groups and my experiences, and I can only speak from my own experiences, right? Where I think a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm not getting what I want from a partner or a friend or a career. It's automatically toxic. I need to leave. And I'm like, wait, that's not like it's not always that. If yeah. you give it a little bit of time to at least figure out what's going on, a lot of times it's communication, accountability, or just like you you cross miscross wires or streams where it just kind of gets lost in the fray and the fog. Like we were talking about fog earlier about everything, right? So I think when it comes to hearing your story just now, it's good that you got to that point where you recognize, okay, like there was a disconnect, but how do we connect again? And the yeah. fact that you could acknowledge that after the fact, and probably it was probably relatively recent, right? Yeah, this so, was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, and thank wow. God we have a therapist, right? Because, mm. and I think that's so helpful too. I mean, I've talked about therapy before, yeah. you know, but I mean, to have that insight from the outside, you know. It's so important. Yeah, because yeah. then that person comes from, as an impartial judge, you know, I don't like to say, I wouldn't say judge, but an impartial party. Yeah. To be able to kind of give a bird's eye view, right? It's so much easier. How much easier it is for us to tell someone, you know what, you're, this you're living your life wrong in this area, you know, <laughs> but how many problems do we have that we're Our like, own, yeah. we're totally oblivious, you know? Um, but then for her to be able to kind of like honor, I, I really do appreciate it too, that she's not like, well, you know, maybe you guys should split up, you know, <laughs> you know, to be able to honor our marriage and, and why we got married, you know? Mm. And she's, uh, I think, I think she's Catholic, but not, not like a practicing, but there's practicing, a unitive yeah. aspect that she keeps y'all together. Yeah, and she, and she yeah, like yeah. honors our, our faith and, and our, and the way we come from, you know, being Catholic and having these things, like I felt really weird telling her like, you know, I really appreciate this St. Joseph uh, um, uh, dedication I've done, you know, but you know, she she might not have that same uh, ideology or the background, the background yeah. but she was able to understand and respect it, you know, mm -hmm. and honor it, you know, and, and able to use that in therapy. So, I mean, you're very lucky to have a Catholic therapist to kind of guide you. It worked out really well. And uh, we actually do prayers too, which is nice. We talk about St. Dinva, who's, I guess, the patron saint of mental oh, health. Oh, I have a tattoo. You, I can't see it. You, well, no, <laughs> Fucks the bicep for me. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's a St. Dinva tattoo. God yeah. bless you, man. Yeah, so that's been something that I've been really taking into prayer now. And that was, I think, the second session we did. He actually told me, just pray like a de devotion to her and just kind of figure out uh, what, what you're doing in life, where your wounds are lying. Like for me personally, confession, I have high function anxiety because whether it's my type A nature, whether it was being successful musician, marketing, corporate life, I just inherited a lot of high functioning anxiety, ex anxious tendencies just through my own life, right? And being able to have somebody tell me, hey, this is what you have. It's not debilitating. You could fix this. You, if you're aware of it, and he gives me like homework, I won't say homework, but he gives me little assignments to do every month to really journal and reflect on certain things. And now we're talking about being Filipino, and he and he loves Filipinos. He's like, oh, I love lumpia. I love <laughs> and he goes, you know, with Filipinos, Matt, like you guys are so other directed. I'm like, what does other directed mean? And he goes, you're just so other. You're, you're serving like the way your mom was, for example, the way my mom is, for example, like giving to a fault, almost being like a martyr for some yes, types of people. hundred percent. And for the longest time, I, I would I love my mom to death, and she's like, I, I inherit a lot of my like anxious anxiety from my mom. Um, 
And I'm like, oh, my mom is such a martyr for people, but I'll never be that. I'm my own man. And I'm learning now through therapy. I'm like, wow, I'm also, I have, I have those tendencies where I'm so giving to the poor. I'm not recognizing my own needs. And I'm learning boundaries this year. And it's funny. Um, Filipinos have no boundaries. None. None. Like everyone knows everything. There's chismosos everywhere, right? Everyone knows gossip. And to some degree, communal, it, that is good. The fact that you honor people on their birthday, you talk to them, you affirm them, that is good. But I think one thing in Filipino culture that I'm learning, and I'm not blaming our parents, I'm not blaming society, you know, but like there has to be some sort of level of boundaries where like, okay, this is what I can't do. This is what I can do. <laughs> this is my limitations. And how can I better serve you yeah. in that component? Yeah. Uh, and for the longest time, and this is all new to me, dude, I'm 32. It's 20. I literally learned about boundaries three months ago. This is all brand new to me. But I think on the other side of the coin, uh, a lot of people that kind of dive too much into boundaries. It's like, oh, this is my island. This is what I can do. And I will never go past it. I'm like, that's also not good. Yeah. So we have people on one camp that have no boundaries whatsoever. And they gossip and they're so involved in everything or whatever that might be. And then you have people on the other side of the spectrum that are like, oh, these are my boundaries. Meet me where I'm at or else. And it's like, no, like there has to be some unitive aspect. And the fact that you have a, mar- uh, a marriage counselor for you to make it unitive. I have a counselor, a Catholic counselor for me that doesn't separate my parents and my family wounds of origin for my own personal struggle. There has to be that unitive aspect, and I think that's when mental health gets it right. And I hope people get that from this podcast, where like there has, there has to be a unitive aspect to everything. If you're just going to be on your own island, and you're going to separate people, not not have that sense of empathy. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about muscles, right? Empathy is also a muscle. Absolutely. I never learned that, because being judgmental, maybe it's a Catholic thing, or maybe it's a Jersey thing, where I'm like, do your own thing, bro. You you fine. You yeah, good. You yeah, good. You good. good. <laughs> yeah, it's very East Coast thing. Yeah. And I'm not. Sometimes people aren't good, dude. Sometimes yeah. you have to validate them, and we all have that need for validation. So it's good that you have that, and we could have this kind of common thread, whether it's our fathers, music, culture, faith. Like it's and it's crazy that we're on this last episode now. Yeah. It all comes full circle, man. It is. I, yeah. I, I can't believe uh, just from that one conversation, it ended up here. And what I really appreciate with this, you doing this with me, is uh, I felt like I was. Uh, what I started doing while, while uh, doing these podcasts is watching David Letterman. He mm. is such a great interviewer, you know. Uh, he, he's natural. He, he gives a little bit of himself, but he really opens up the lane for for his guests to really just kind of uh, pour out their story. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. You yeah. know, um, and uh, it's so great to see your heart and where your mind's at and where your journey's at. Because when I was doing the podcast with you, it was uh, you were like David Letterman to me, you know. And I was like, oh, that. Matt does this because I'd watch him and Thank I, you. and I kind of take notes on how he would do. So, um, you were to me that was very giving and and uh, you're honoring. Uh, I felt very honored by by that experience. Um, so I do really really want to thank you because if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for that conversation that we that I had on my computer about ten feet from where you're sitting, well, literally, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people you know would not have been affected in the way that um, in the way that they have been, and uh, and and really I do want to encourage. Uh, I, what I want to do is encourage a challenge now. This, okay. so I'm trying to change in the format to, mm-hmm. to this podcast. I know before this it was kind of like you know let's just see where this goes. Let's just wing it, you know. But I think one thing, uh, I think we learned in this community too is, is a uh, a challenge, you know, to give people a challenge. Like after listening to this, like what are you going to do? Um, I I really want to challenge people to go out to someone and to honor them for something that they've done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who do you think you would want to honor? Ooh. Um... Hmm. Wow, this is heavy. This is heavy. Yeah, this, heavy this whole question. podcast is heavy. This is not yeah. a comedy. <laughs> this is not a comedy. No, yeah, <laughs> we didn't really like. And, and usually, normally with podcasting, like you have some sort of. We had like a some modicum of prep, but a lot of this is really off the cuff. But in terms of honoring somebody, gosh, I have to really settle and think about this. I think I'll, since we were talking about it initially, I think honoring our my parents, but not in the way that 
you know, I think it's, it's recognizing that I get a lot of tendencies from my mom and my dad and some good, some not good, but also re- recognizing that like a lot of, I don't know, I think in, endurance from our parents' generations, we're talking about honoring older generations. And I think we kind of kicking back to what you're talking about earlier, like, you know, consulting with the elderly and older generations, we don't have that. And maybe it's a cultural thing of like respecting our elders in like an Asian context, but for like sure. there is that respect that you have for the older generations. And I don't know, like whether it's my, my I think my dad and my brother specifically, I would say, cause they're, they're kind of two sides of the same coin for me. They're big uh, figures for me for what masculinity is and should be my, my brother and my dad. Uh, and not just with the context of strength, because when you think of machismo and masculinity, especially we're talking about Jocko, a lot of these big masculine influencers that it's like, oh, you got to be strong and tough and disciplined. That's great and all. I get that. Right. But like one thing I learned from my dad and my brother, they've been through so many struggles is that level of endurance of like, okay, you could fall, but when you get back up again, that's what really matters. And I know that sounds very cliche and, you know, but, but, but it's true though. And, I, and one thing that I took into prayer with my spiritual director, I'd be like, oh man, I'll keep falling in this area or that area or whatever. Um, and one thing that he was telling me was like, well, God still loves you. And sometimes he loves you more when you get back up again. And I was like, wait, what? Because I, I, I think of, I'm, I'm very more broken um, minded sometimes in my spiritual journey where I'm like, oh, I'm just a broken person. I'm a failure. Everything's terrible. I'm the worst, right? We have that kind of like weird voice in our heads, right? And I'm learning now, God doesn't look at, you know, all the times you succeed and all the good. He, he looks at you when you fall and you get back up again. That's when he, that's the stuff that he really takes account of. And I, I never thought of it until I was going through spiritual direction. I'm like, wow, like it's all about getting up again. And a lot of that endurance I got from my old man, for example, I got from my brother who had to move to a different state and start a family, right? It's not, all these struggles aren't easy, but we think of success and we're talking about like winning and honoring. We think of winning and success as like all the good stuff that happens. What can I provide for people? Am I the perfect Christian or cat? Am I following all the rules, for example? And it's not always the case. And sometimes the people that only follow the rules, they're so strict on the rules, they lose their humanity. Right. And one thing I'm learning now is it's not, yes, the rules are there for a reason. Structure's there for a reason. We're both really Christian people, right, in this, in this conversation. But when you can get back up again from struggles and you can get back up again from failing and become better, that's, I think, what gravitates me to my brother and my dad. So I want to I honor just not them pers- personally, but people that I've, I've, I've seen that have been able to overcome things and go through things and experience things and, and endure through that. I think we, that's what we need, I think. And what we have, one thing that we have to really affirm people in is their endurance to kind of go through things and also recognizing when you go through things, those, those were actual things. Like I'm, I'm talking to friends that are also kind of getting into therapy too. Fellow like young adult Catholic guys I know that are exploring this, this avenue. And they're realizing, wow, I went through things that I didn't realize were traumatic. I just was told to kind of, you know, white knuckle it and be strong. Um, and I'm recognizing, oh, this was bad for what it was. Now, how can I move forward? So I would say like well, having that recognition and having endurance is something that I'm, I'm trying to find in other men and other people. And it, I, that's what I honor in people like my brother and my father. So have uh, you ever told yeah. that to your brother? Like straight up? Yes and no. You know, I, it's funny. There's two times I've, I've kind of mentioned this to my brother. And they're both not, <laughs> they're two, they're after two movies and I'm, I'm, I'm a big movie guy. So it's the movie warrior. And if you're watching the movie warrior, yeah, a long, yeah, time long ago. It was a while back. So it was, this is during my band days. It was 2012. I was recording, uh, on the stellar way. When, uh, my band Mitchell Gray was recording a record in San Diego. And afterwards we were just drinking, hanging out after, in the studio and we were watching the movie warrior and just the context of the movie. It's about two brothers that are like MMA fighters or wrestlers or whatever. And that spoiler alert, they get into the, <laughs> sorry if you're going to watch it, but this, this, this comes with the, the story. So like, um, I watched it was two in the morning. We're kind of you know, drinking a lot and we're watching this movie 
And the end of the movie is the older brother and the younger brother make it to the finals. And I could be getting this wrong, but it's what I remember in my drunken purview eight years ago. Um, and the older brother and younger brother are fighting. And I guess the older brother is about to win. He puts him in a chokehold and he tells him, he, he tells his younger brother that he loves him. And the brother taps out and then it's a big roar of applause and the fight's over, right? And I, I'm like, oh my gosh. And of course, like the, the, I'm losing the context of the actual movie itself, but just, just that aspect of like, you know, two brothers that are going at it and there's there's big conflict between both of them. They have a lot going on in the movie. At the end of the day, there is that love that's there and it's not about me winning you, winning over you. There's no success over that. There's just, I love you no matter what happens, no matter what has happened in this plot or context, right? And after that movie, I called my brother two or three in the morning, drunk, and I'm like, Mike, I love you, man. Thank you for being a good brother. And he was like, oh, well, wait, it's two in the morning. And the second movie I want to bring up is the movie Onward. It's a Pixar movie, completely oh, yeah, different great context. Movie. Yeah, it's yeah. about brother dynamics. Yeah, yeah. And also... I don't want to spoil that movie too, but like at the end of the movie, it's all about like how much you you learn from your older brother and older oh, brothers are. Yeah. And you, I don't know you're an older that brother, right? Me. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I want that end of the movie too, how he honors his older brother at the end. I was like, wow, I learned a lot because my parents they worked a lot. This every immigrant, every immigrant parent had that kind of same struggle where they worked long hours and they're never really around. So I mentioned my brother in those two contexts of watching those movies and calling him up and being like, oh, I love you, man. But really not really not honoring him. And I'm, I'm so happy you're bringing light to actually honoring people. And that's so cool. That was a tradition in community. I had no idea it was a thing. Yeah, man. it was I'm a thing. I don't, I don't, bring know, that back, I don't know why it went out, you know? I have no idea. I don't know, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Um, yeah, and, and because there's not enough of it. And it really can just change someone's life. Just mm. like one thing. I don't, I don't, there's so many examples we can go through. But I mean, how do you... That's, did you also talk to your brother after watching Onward? Uh, we talked about it briefly where I was kind of like, not like thanking him per se, but I'm like, dude, that's basically us. Because my brother is like super into Filipino culture and martial arts and I'm not, and I am now getting into yeah. this journey that I'm in now. Um, and a lot of that is, you know, he like the whole premise of the movie is like the older brother is super into magic and tradition and the younger brother is kind of modern and aloof. And that's kind of how our dynamic was. My brother was really into Filipino culture, tradition. He's uber conservative. And for me growing up, I was like, liberal musician and it kind of flew by the seat of my pants and did yeah. whatever I thought was great and felt good right and a lot of that structure endurance and strength I got a lot of that from my brother and a lot of and the way I am now especially in this current journey of my life where I'm, I'm more aware and controlled and disciplined even the way I speak to people like I was hanging out with friends the other day and like guys sometimes talk like vulgar stuff they spend yeah. some really vulgar obscene things and now I'm so I'm not saying I'm holier than that and I'm a saint and I'm better than them but like I'm like wow like oh I, I don't want to talk about it doesn't that. sit right on you it doesn't now I, yeah. I, I, friends and I were just talking about like I think it was a couple buddies of mine were talking about a mutual friend that we knew that was a woman and I was like I wouldn't like, I, I I got uncomfortable and I'm like I don't want to talk about her in that context she's a friend of mine yeah and it's crazy because in my band days or anything like that I would have never had that bone or that sense of awareness or that lens to put on it but I think removing these distractions having these accountability partners in my life. That, that tell, and I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm a work in progress that we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Like we're aspiring to be these kind of people. It's helped me at least see some things that are outside of myself for a change. And yeah. I think that's really awakened me post-2020. Yeah. And I'm hoping this podcast, and I hope you continue this somehow to some degree, whatever you have next. And I know this is the final episode, but like hopefully you could provide a lens for other people to kind of see the other side yeah. of things and be outside of themselves for a change, man. So you know, I, to you. I know we talked a lot about honoring like other people, but also I think... It's, it's tough, you know, to, to have like ideals and to have like this uh, way to live, right? And especially for us, I think sometimes to some people like saying that you're Catholic or Christian could be like a dirty word or a dirty phrase, you know, mm -hmm. which, which is, it's, it kind of sucks because it's, 
you know, it's not so much the case, you know, because um, what you're doing, like what you're, uh, what bothers your spirit is, is not inherently like, oh, this is a Celtic principle and I'm, <laughs> and I'm better than you. And I, I get what you're saying when you say that, because I feel the same way. Like, mm. I don't think I'm better than you. No, but it's, I think what you're doing there is you're honoring your own spirit, right? Because wow. if we're, if we're, if we're, uh, you know, um, if we're like a physical and a spiritual being, like there's something in our spirit, it just doesn't sit right, you know? So um, I'm sure there came some point in your time where like this conversion was happening, where your spirit was like, this doesn't feel right, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then your spirit hits it, you, hears, you know, you mm-hmm. feel it and you're like, ooh. And I mean, at least I've had those experiences where I've said things and then uh, like, for example, talking about people. It's one thing I'm really trying hard not to do. Me and my friend Christian, you know, Christian. Yeah, Lahina, of course. Yeah. Um, we've had this thing now. Like, if we say something bad about someone, we have to have to say three good things. Oh, you wow. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of like, yo, this person's a D-bag. But, 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 I mean, that, that, but, like, so now it's, like, really trying not to say anything bad about people because it's, like, what does that do for me? Mm. The person's not hearing it. And now I'm just left with this gunk on my soul my spirit isn't, it's not compatible with me anymore. Yeah. And it, and it bothers me. And it's not because I, I think I'm better than someone else. And I think everyone should live the way I live. It's just, I'm trying to honor my spirit. And I think that's what you're doing. So I, I, I think there's so much like we want to do is like to qualify, to show people that we're not bad Catholics, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think I wanted to say that to explain to people like why we might, you know, try to do the things we're doing because it just does not jive with our spirit. Right. And the same thing, like, I mean, we could talk about this in the physical sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're eating crappy foods and you feel crappy and then you finally one day realize, wow, if I uh, ate like lean chicken and salad, like I don't feel so crappy. <laughs> that's kind of weird. And then you go and you eat Shake I love Shake Shack, but then you go eat Shake Shack like, oh yeah, that's right. You so recognize the, the, the it. food does make a difference. Mm. I, I realized that doing, uh, this is back in the day before pay- keto existed. It was like paleo. And yeah. I, 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 did, I did like, uh, I did a full like three months doing paleo. Like strict, 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 and then I went to go eat Korean barbecue, like buffet. I felt drunk, like, and I was like, "Oh, (laughs) this is weird." Like the food makes me feel like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's a matter of honoring your spirit because it's it's trying to pull you somewhere, you know, to be that better version of yourself, you know. Um, and I and in the context of that, you know, it's in terms of like being pulled to be the better part of yourself. I think there's something special about marriage, you know, in terms Mm. of like, um. So in, 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 in this case, I wanted to honor my, my wife, you know, for, um, Amen. she, she I, I live a big life, meaning, uh, how, how can I explain? When I do something, I do something like you can tell me to not do it. I'm going to do it. Go all out. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, I kind of just like dive into it. So if I go some, if I'm going to do, uh, my first race, for example, was not a 5k. My first race was a marathon, oh my gosh. you know, and, and, uh, so when I tell people that uh, back then I was like 22 or 21, mm. um, like you didn't do a 5k before I'm like, no, like, went yeah. I, I, and I, I just, I remember even telling my wife years ago, I wanted to do uh, Ironman, uh, a triathlon. She's like, why would you do this? And I'm like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, I was 13 miles short of completing it, but still it's a pretty, yeah, you yeah, still, still did it, man. You were there, You're but, um, for it. Yeah. so she, it, it must be really tough, you know, for her to kind of, uh, manage me in this big life you know yeah yeah yeah. it's like uh but um but she has really shown her um her devotion and dedication to this marriage Mm. you know uh i'm kind of wild you know um and i try i try i try i fall harder than i try sometimes you know Mm. it just but uh throughout everything she's been there and and to the way that she's blossoming as a mother like to see her in this context i remember the first time 
so back in college, uh, remember we had youth group, but college yeah, campus, campus based. Yeah. yeah. So her and I were president and vice president. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know that. Okay. I was not meant to be this president. I was, <laughs> I used to do drugs, hang yeah. out, party, you know, and now, uh, because the president could not afford to go to college that semester, uh, he asked me to just step in. I'm like, bro. He's giving the reins yeah. straight away. Wow. Mind you, I'm like smoking on campus. I, you know, and I just had like my, you know, drug history and all that kind of stuff. Um, so by default, I became the president. And I remember this one time we we were have we're about to have a meeting, and then she says to me, "Hey, do, let's go in the other room and let's just pray." And uh, so as we're praying, I'm like, "This is the kind of girl I want to marry one day," you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's all peachy and nice. It's cute, you know. Nice but, story to tell. Yeah, people, yeah, yeah. But now we're like 13 years into marriage, and like the hills and valleys that we've gone through. Um, I don't tell her as much as I should, and I and I feel like even if I do tell her, it may be the impact having it recorded and now going to be somewhere on the on the interwebs forever yeah um is enough of a bullhorn um to see her blossoming in her uh motherhood i mean what she does is amazing like just yesterday my daughter had huge emotions about wanting uh, we had a friend of ours over my friend jubin and his daughter shane and when they were leaving, my daughter just like lost her mind. She's like, why does, why does everything good have to end? <laughs> which, or existential Which almost. is yeah, totally, wow. she's totally my spirit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, but um, I wanted to be like, get, go to your room, you know, and then just like <laughs> yell. But then Ar- Arlene, she like rubbed my back very gently, like as, and, and like, I don't know, I guess it's the, we've known each other man, so long, yeah, you know, like, for sure. and it was just like, she didn't have to vocally tell me. Wow. And it was just like, all right. All right. Okay. And uh, so she's like, you really have some big emotions. You know, and she like dialed it down. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is magical. Yeah. You know? For her to be so present and know what to do. Because sometimes you can read all the, the baby mama books you want, but just knowing in that context, in that moment, what to do. And it's not something that you'd see in like, uh, I don't know, a parenting class or no. you know what I'm saying? It's no. just something that just, it, it works for you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's just with the children, but with me, I mean, last year was a very tough year. You know, I was in the hospital and all this kind of stuff. And um, she literally laid with me on a, on a ER stretcher for three, three days, you know, and she never left my side, was very supportive and really helped me to get back on my feet, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be the man I, that I am if it wasn't for her a hundred thousand percent, yeah. you know? And that's why I'm so grateful for the sacrament of marriage too. You know, it's it's not just this contract. You know, people say marriage is just a piece of paper. That's BS. You know, mm-hmm. something spiritually happened. You know, uh, when we when we got married, and it gave us a grace to be able to live like this. I mean, and my, to strive really to strive, yes. yeah, and um, yeah, hills and valleys all the time. But I mean, she's never wavered. Me, I'm just like, oh, forget this. It's over. <laughs> or it's never gonna work out. You know. Um, but there's always there's always one. Yeah. I feel yeah. That yeah. Has, that that I'm, holds the fort. I'm definitely the wild child, and she is the uh, she's she's tough, man. She's yeah. she's a she's a good woman. She's a good mm-hmm. woman, and then I think uh, that kind of really sums her up. But I also wanted to honor like any of my friends, my good friends who have been there and who have stayed. I mean, it, there are too many to name, and I and, and I, I usually sprinkle them out, you know, through the podcast. I'll like kind of drop a. Uh, a drop a shot out but yeah. anyone who's listening they know uh, we've had conversations in private um, just hanging out and uh, just really have good good friends and it's something that I'm so grateful for because I had friends in the past who didn't have my best interest at heart like or even friends who did not like to who weren't like encouraging of me winning in a in healthy lo- way in, or whatever. Yeah, yeah yeah but I have there's nothing better than having friends that are like man I'm so glad he won you know I'm so glad he's doing well you know what I'm saying like mm. 
Um, and the will's are good in you. Yeah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, I, I know I mentioned this on, on one pack with my friends, but like, I want all my friends to win in life, you know. Yeah. And so, having friends around that that kind of like, oh man, that's awesome. You know, I'm so happy for you. Like, that's it's amazing. I got this one friend, uh, Jonathan. He, I don't I don't think he listens to this, but uh, we had this discussion uh, a while back that in his family, like they just kind of like push him down. Like, why do you want to buy a house? Why do you need to do this? Why do you? Oh, wow. like, yeah. Yeah. And, or you'll never be able to achieve, you know, but I have friends around me. They're always looking to, you know, help me and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's not, uh, 30 people, you know, it's not 15 people. I have a good handful, you know, and then they know who they are. If they've called me in the past three months, they know who they are. But it's good that you have, and you, I, I keep going back to saying you recognize these things a lot because a lot of people don't. A lot of men are like, oh, well, I have friends, and they don't really choose them appropriately. And I think for the longest time for me, I, I just pick friends out of just convenience or people that were around or whatever. And my brother gave me some good, solid advice uh, because I feel, vocationally speaking, I'm called to be a father. I just, I, I was repraying on that uh, with my spiritual director. Just, and, and he was saying, like, you know, just pray about, don't do not do any novenas or anything super Catholic. Just pray to God in your rawness and your realness. And what do you actually want? Not this nice politically correct answer, but what do you actually want? Yeah. Not Matt the drummer, not Matt the marketer or podcaster. Like, what do you actually want? And the two things that were in my heart at the very core was I want to be a bridge and I want to be a father. Mm. And that's where I'm at now. And I, I, took, I brought this to my brother, who's my more physical personal trainer. And he goes like, well, hang out with married men. Hang out with men that are in serious relationships. Because the longest time, whether it's my post-band days or it was maybe my, my corporate liberal New York days uh, working in companies in the city, a lot of guys were just single and old and just doing the same old thing and not really having a, an anchor or a vocation or a mission. And I'm not judging their lifestyles. That's what they chose, and that's great. But I think for me, what I want at the end of the day is, and I'm so happy I'm having this conversation with you now, is really planning this within my soul. Whereas I have this now where I want to hang out with people that are more like-minded. So by the time I'm your age, not to kind of make this gap call, so apparent. Are you apparent, calling me old? I don't right? <laughs> But not make this gap so apparent because we're, you know, we're, not, we're not ships sailing the night here. But like really at this point, I want to be able to have friends that I could say that can affirm me, that can honor me at my next 35th birthday or whatever that might be, right, in that context. Um, and I wouldn't have gotten to this point if it wasn't for having this accountability and having this conversation, having this medium of podcasting, even the fact that we, we had this kind con- of well, similar conversation a year ago. Now that we're here again, yeah, in right? 2021, it's is crazy. crazy. Yeah. I want to infer you in that though. I mean, thanks man. Uh, a quick story is, uh, most people don't know this, but there was a time in my life where I was going through a lot of turmoil because I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with my life. I, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted a wife and children and I knew I wanted to do something good in the world, but I didn't know what it was. I, I knew like, music was always going to be a peripheral thing. It wasn't going to be like my sole source of like, uh, income and and to sustain my life. But then, uh, you know, I had this persistent thing like, Oh, why would I want to serve God and be a priest? That's what, that's what a holy person should do. And that tortured me. Like I was really, Uh, I was really like, um, Oh, if I don't do, if I don't become a priest, I I don't love God, you know? And, and, and because I went on a retreat, my, my good friend, Tim Margiata told me to go on this, uh, vocation. It was like a silent retreat. So I stayed actually, uh, immersed myself, you know, into this world of, uh, uh, Catholic brothers and priests and like lived their lifestyle for two weeks. Wow. Awful good amount of time. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And by one week I'm like, nah, bro, I got (laughs) it. I tried it. (laughs) I I think I actually left early, (laughs) like a day. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and it's like, I wasn't honoring that in my spirit. Like I, I always saw myself with a family, but then I always 
thought, oh, my brokenness. Maybe that's why I had the brokenness in my family because mm. I, I shouldn't have a family because my family was broken. So how can I ever have I a family? Pass that down. Yeah. yeah. But one thing, uh, Brother Rawl, he was my spiritual director when I was there. Yeah. He told me most men, 99.9% of men, Catholic men, are not meant to be priests. You know, and I was like, oh, well, the, the, thanks for that. Those percentages go in my favor. Yeah. But then what he also told me was, and I'll never forget it. He was like, um, sometimes a man having a family who comes from a broken family can be healing, you know, because wow, they like, know they can recognize yeah, what you're doing too, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, whoa, you know, and that gave me kind of like an affirmation, like, no, if I want to have a, a, a wife and children, I was single at the time, yeah. but if I wanted to have a wife and children, that's not a bad thing. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm any less, you know, loving of, of or my holy creator or, or holy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But again, like I want to go full head on, you know? So I think if I'm not doing the big thing, then anything short of that is, is not enough. It's not showing devotion, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a struggle for a while, but I really had to pray on that regularly. And, um, what I did was before I got married, I went back and I, I discerned again with them wow. to see if marriage was really my call. And this was before I proposed to Arlene. Mm. So I stayed there for a week um, and really just prayed on that. Uh, and uh, once I left, I'm like, no, I think it's time to propose. Uh, asking my father-in-law if I can propose is a different story. <laughs> you ever saw, you heard the song Rude? Oh, yeah. It's a very <laughs> Why you got it? Life yeah. imitating art and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, uh, I remember he was like, yeah. It's not our decision. If she wants to say yes, you're fine. I don't, I don't care. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, someone want to affirm you. If, if that's what you, you feel like your your heart's telling you, your spirit's telling you, if that sits mm -hmm. well on you, then that's where you need to go. And it, it's not, um, that's, a, that's a very good ambition, man. And, and I got to tell you, being a, um, a married man, you know, and having children, it's it's not easy. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, I, I told you earlier, right? I mean, um, do everything you can do now that you want to yeah, do, right? Is, because yeah. now at this stage of my life, it's like, you know, everything that I do, um, it's going to tax the family system, you know, in some way, yeah, shape or form. Some degree, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even to this podcast, it's on the schedule. Mm -hmm. It's on my family schedule. So that way Arlene knows, all right, he's going to be occupied. He says two hours, but it's usually three or four, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's awesome. And, um, so what's next for the, uh, for the likewise podcast, your career yeah, relationship. Cool, man. So I think career wise, um, I work for a financial association in New York and I've been there for uh, gosh, three years now, which is crazy. Uh, so that's kind of the bread and butter job. You know, that's the foundational job that helped me buy a house and helped me uh, pay off uh, masters and school debt and everything like that, which is great. Um, so the career-wise, been doing that. I think on the side, as mentioned, I do a podcast that I had you on last year, around this time last year. I'm kind of pivoting the podcast to, to more of a mental health kind of context. I'm, I'm having Love this it. journey now. But I don't want it to be like, oh, Matt knows everything about mental health now. I want to kind of slowly pivot it throughout the course of a few more episodes. So I'm, I'm switching it to a monthly episode now. Uh, I'm getting back into writing. So I've been linking up with a lot of um, Catholic websites and brands to get back into writing. Cause I was a writer uh, during my marketing days. I, I, was, a I was a copywriter uh, and I wrote blogs for a bit in my early twenties uh, to kind of pay the bills to be a musician. And um, so getting back into writing the next few months, um, pursuing some degrees. I think we're talking about now while, while I, while I have this time now being uh, in this single chapter of my life, I'm, I'm considering t maybe taking another degree, maybe some certifications this year. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at now. And then personally speaking, now in this kind of new single chapter of my life, relatively new single chapter of my life, man, is trying to figure out where I'm called. And um, I have this, maybe, maybe it's uh, a sign. I, I went to a Theology of the Body conference in, in, in February uh, in Orlando, in Florida. Um, and I met this through mutual friends. Um, they do a mission in Honduras. And they called for some musicians to even come to teach 
I play the drums and hang out with a bunch of kids in Honduras. And I've never been to that part of the world ever. And I'm discerning to do mission work in Honduras this summer. And oh, it, it actually awesome. is crazy. That it falls literally on my birthday week. And I'm like, okay, this is a sign. It's my birthday week. I luckily have, you know, vacation days from the day job, right? And I'm like, maybe I'm called to do some mission work this year. Um, that's, what, that's, what's been, that's what's been on my heart, I feel, uh, coming into the new year. And uh, like whoever's listening to this, pray for me, uh, you know, help me out here. I need all the prayers to really discern what I want to do in this new chapter. I'm back in Jersey now, which has been nice. And, um, and really trying to do podcasts and content and projects that not just reflect mental health, but just like are unitive, like we're talking about. It's a big part of this podcast, this conversation is unitive uh, endeavors, being a bridge for people. And even being a father and not just, you know, physical sense, but maybe fatherhood and, and whatever God calls me to be, right? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at going forward by the uh, grace of God, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for you, man. And Thanks, I, I love that, uh, it's taking that shift, you know, into that mm-hmm. mental health perspective, especially in the context of like spirituality, because yeah. in the church, it, uh, it's like mental health is like oh, seen as like this, uh, obscure, uh, uh, what do you call this? Like a idolatry in, yeah, a, in a sense, a, you know, a yeah, for sure. But, yeah. uh, it, it's not actually, I'm this Monday, I'm, I'm doing a, a speaking engagement actually at our lady of mercy I saw that. Yeah. in, uh, in, in uh, Jersey city. Mm. And it's about caregiver burnout. So I'm super excited because I'm able to do it from the mental health perspective, but I'm wanting to do it, um, in the context of the year of St. Joseph. Right. And how, wow. I mean, St. Joseph together, was man. the absolute, um, caregiver yeah the model right the, sure. and, and i mean i mean biblically just to kind of give a brief thing is i mean even imagine him trying to protect jesus and mary you know while while jesus is uh, as a baby the you know? savior of the world yeah, yeah yeah i mean he's having to care for this child i mean such a beautiful image i saw was mary like resting on a bed while while joseph is caring for the baby you so know and I, and I think we need more men who um who are more like saint joseph to be able to sacrifice you know to be able to give and to be able to love and care and uh, and, and just, we just need more examples of that. So I'm super excited for what's happening for you. Um, and I, and I hope, uh, I hope that, uh, over the next few weeks, months, and years, you see all that come to fruition and we get to talk about this again, you know, and, and see it. maybe in a, a year or two, kind of like, uh, do a little bit of a, a rewind and see what's happened yeah. since today. Yeah. Nice recap, man. Thanks for having me on. Bro. All right, my man. Up until this point in our lives, we've done the best we could with what we've known. Hopefully today we've come to learn something new so we can be better to give better. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Upstream. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the dot upstream podcast and join us every other Tuesday for fresh content. Until then, just keep swimming, friends.